0: Listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready.
1: We've long and prospered.
2: This is a captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience
3: some slight turbulence and then explode.
4: I got a bad feeling
5: about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak
6: show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. This is episode 174. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Again, good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we have with us a plethora of other hosts here tonight that are helping us host this podcast. Um, M is with us again, finally. Yeah, she swam home from work tonight just to be with us.
0: Dude, I'm not eating. I'm not going to go there.
6: It's awful. <laughs> but, and with us as well is Jim Arrowood, who's no stranger to the Sci-Fi Diner. Kaplah! And, uh, and live in the studio with us is David Moulton, who's also no stranger to the Sci-Fi Diner audience. He uh, represented Yo! at Farpoint. <laughs> hello, hello! Yeah, so it's good to have everyone here, and... Um, and we'll plug all of our various places to plug toward the end of the show. But thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. We're ecstatic to talk about Star Trek in the darkness tonight. Uh, finally, finally. finally. get to talk <laughs>
0: about it. I'm
3: still-
6: <laughs> Yeah. You know, and here's the thing. We, 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 we want to be up front. We're going to talk about it, and it will be full of spoilers. We, uh, we want to talk about the things that people don't want to talk about. So if you haven't seen this movie, and you don't want to be spoiled... Put this in pause, go watch a movie, come back and listen to us rant about this movie, because that's mm-hmm. what we're going to be doing tonight. <laughs> so, um, but, well, let's just sleep in and uh, talk. Miles, how are you doing, man?
2: Uh, pretty good, thanks. I'm, I'm so stoked, I'm even wearing my, uh, my Starfleet uniform.
6: Yeah, I had to watch you get into that. Mm hmm. But he, he was fully clothed, mind you. Just so. I'm
2: just wearing a shirt. That's all. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing my gold shirt
6: my wife got for my birthday a He's couple years ago. He's just wearing a shirt. Did uh, you hear that? That's what he said. You uh, really take I, this to and David and I are go. sitting in the room here, and I'm a bit disturbed. I'm right next to him. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> I'm right across from him. I don't know which is worse. You got the desk at least. <laughs> there's, a, there's a desk keeping us apart. He
0: giggled so hard I snorted. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Oh, That's awesome. Good. We can make you laugh. Yes.
0: Pictures, or it didn't happen. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah.
7: I'll never tell. All no, right. Uh, so that if we don't take pictures, this never happens. Right. Right. <laughs> we don't right. have to remember it. Well,
6: stays in the podcast studio. Stays. <laughs> well, Miles, my understanding it's
0: released is released in a podcast.
6: <laughs> right. We sci-fi diner or something becomes a video podcast. <laughs> You were saying? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, Miles, uh, we have a trivia that yes. uh, we want to give out, and it's actually related to this film that we're kind of uh, chatting about. Absolutely. Do you want to kind of give our listeners a heads up as to what this trivia is again?
2: Okay. We are asking, who was the first captain of the Constitution-class starship, USS Enterprise?
6: Right. And we are not giving the answer this week. Do any uh-huh. of you guys know it? I feel like I do. You feel like you do? We'll talk about it after our show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jim, you- do you know this? Uh... Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, I do. Ooh, so he uh, does know this. I'm sure. Em, M- Do you know this? Um. Don't give the. It answer. wasn't Kirk. Yeah, I know. If you if you know it, we'll talk you after the show because it's a trivia question. We're giving a prize for it if people really do know it. So a
0: what, prize. A pri- what kind of prize?
6: Anyways, Miles, tell us what's the loot.
2: We are giving away the uh, Countdown to Darkness uh, comic books. Ooh.
6: Mm-hmm. And so there are, and there are four comic books that kind of lead up to the movie we we're talking Absolutely, about. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a code word for this?
2: The code word is to keep the spammers away, uh, dilithium.
6: Right, so make sure you include that when you call in, one 508 4343 or you can email us at sci fi diner Podcast at gmail.com, and that will get the information to us, and we will give you the prize if you win, if we pull your name out of the hat, and you win. So Mm -hmm. very cool. Well, let's start. Let's start talking about Star Trek Into
7: Darkness. (laughs) I was blown away. (laughs) Now,
6: how many times have you guys seen it? And let's start with you. How many times have you seen this movie? Three. Three
0: Three. different ways, though. I saw IMAX. Okay. I saw 3D IMAX, and then which made me sick, like it always does. there's no need for 3D for this movie. It's awesome on its own. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it at the regular theater because I had to see it again. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's kind of uh, like a moral imperative.
6: It is. like comes in threes, right? The holy trinity of seeing a movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jim, how about you? How many times? In the name you- of
0: IMAX, in the
6: name of 3D. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> <brand new laughs> oh, and all Catholics suddenly did Hail Go ahead, Jim. How, how about you? How many times <laughs> have you seen this movie?
1: I've been to it three times,
6: and all three times I've seen it in 2D. 2D. Right, we're going to talk about uh, maybe why that happened in just a little bit here. Uh, David, for you, how many times have you seen it?
7: I have seen it once, and yes. I saw it in IMAX 3D, and I plan to go back and see it again. Yeah. And uh, Miles? Um, I've only had a chance to see it
2: once, but we did see it in IMAX 3D. I'll wait till it comes back, but um, I'll wait till it hits the second-run theaters. Uh, I'm you cheap see it that again. way.
6: You're cheap that way? Yeah. Um, and I saw it with David Moulton, so I guess that would be—I uh, saw the same thing, yeah. uh, IMAX 3D. Uh, and let's— Refer to you here a little bit. You saw it three different ways. What was your yes. perspective having seen it in the various formats as far as how you felt about the film, seeing it these various ways?
0: Well, It wasn't anything... I wish I could say something really smart, like I had an astute reason for... (laughs) Well, I was contemplating the different milieus that I could experience the (laughs) Star trek But it just turned out that that's how the opportunities fell into my lap to go and see it. So the IMAX theater at the Udvar-Hazy Smithsonian Museum is epically awesome. And they got the movie two days before release. So we all went and, and it was... Just beautiful in six stories. It was amazing. And then I wanted to experience the 3D because I noticed as I watched the movie the first time, I could see where the 3D effects were, why they, how they filmed in a specific way so that the 3D would come through. And it was kind of epic, but I have a problem with 3D as it makes me sick. So it was really hard to sit through all of it, but it was still beautiful. I don't think this movie needs 3D. I think it's... Cinemata- photographically cinematographically, it's a that's a new, it's a word. Yeah, um, we're making it up. It was, it was just epically done, that it didn't really need it. And, you know, I, a lens flare is awesome. A lens flare at 3D is like I'm getting laser eye surgery. <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> And then seeing it in the standard, I just, I wanted to go to a theater that was crammed with fans, just fans. And, you know, as soon as Khan was revealed, and if you're listening and you didn't know, too bad.
6: Yeah, we were you. As
0: soon as Khan was revealed, that moment in the theater was just like, yes! Or I knew it! And it was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautifully done. And the theater with standard definition has really great sound. So I'm in my mental TiVo. I'm combining all three experiences together to mm. one epic, enjoyable two and a half hours.
6: Did you feel that you missed anything uh, by it not being in 3D, like in the 2D theater?
0: No. Yeah. No. Okay. I am. T- I, I have a very strong opinion about 3D and... And That's another show, yeah, yeah I, I just I feel there's in in short, there's some movies that don't need it. They right. just don't need it. It's a gimmick. it's it's a it's a revenue generator right. right. Um, this movie was so beautifully done. it didn't need it. It was great in three d, but it just didn't need it.
6: yeah, well, Jim, how about you? Uh, you saw it. you did not see it in three d. <laughs> you saw it in two d every single time you saw the movie. Did you feel like you were missing anything? <laughs>
1: Uh, No, I I don't. Um, I just, I don't, first of all, enjoy the 3D. I don't like sitting in a dark room with sunglasses on, for one thing. Paying the extra money to rent the glasses, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, Last year, I saw Thor in 3D, and I don't think it added anything to the picture whatsoever. So it's just not something that excites me. Mm Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, and as far as you guys, Miles, David, Miles, why don't you go? Seeing in three D, did it do anything for you?
2: I I enjoyed it in three D, but I don't. I I I think if I would have saw it in two D, I don't think I would have felt I missed anything.
3: Mm.
7: Dave, Um, I'm a little. Weird with the 3D. Uh, You're a sucker for 3D, aren't you? No. I, here's the thing. <laughs> 3D has to be done right. Like, okay, so we had Avatar, and it was like, you know, it made 3D like a a, a diorama.
6: Well, and a- Avatar uh, was beautifully done in 3D. It was just it was mm, subtle enough. Yeah. That you saw that it was 3D, but not so that they were like, look,
7: we're 3D and stuff's leaping out at the screen at you. Right. So I like a movie when it's 3D and it adds depth, not popping out at you, but it makes the screen seem like it goes in deep. And so movies that do that well, uh, I really like this. However, it, it didn't need the 3D, although I think that IMAX is probably the way to see it just because of the space in IMAX. Right. looks amazing, uh, that big picture. I could have... I don't really care. The only part that you know, I thought that the 3D maybe
6: added was when you first encounter the crew and they're like running through that red forest. You see stuff floating. <laughs> Oops, I'm bumping my mic here. You see stuff like floating through the sky, you know, through the forest there. And you see the arrows whizzing by. Yeah. Some of that, the effects there in 3D were great. But I, I forgot that I was mm-hmm. watching the movie in 3D, and that's how. I felt I felt it was so underplayed that you again didn't necessarily need to be
7: in yeah. 3D. Mm. In, in 3D has never made me feel like jumping. And I saw before The Hobbit they showed the cold open, uh, most of it anyway, and that was seeing that in 3D. And then again was it's the this is one of the first movies that ever made me jump with the 3D, when they're throwing the spears and it goes over Kirk's shoulder right right at you, that's, that's mm-hmm. one of the first times I've ever jumped in a movie theater for, with 3D like, oh my gosh, it's coming at me But um, other so, than,
6: so it's effective
7: yeah, it's effective, <laughs> so other than that part of the movie which I agree, that 3D was really good in the very beginning, and whenever they jumped to warp and the like crystal things fell, like that looked really cool in 3D, right. other than that <laughs> whatever
6: <laughs> yeah
7: well, what did you think of the warp? Did you like the way they did Warp this time? It was different than the first movie. Yeah, you know, okay, okay. So I fought against myself on this one. Visually, it looked really cool. I was like, oh, that's a cool effect. But then my nerd brain kicked in, and I was like, no, they're just traveling at light speed, and that's just it used to just be the light from the engines that you were just seeing stretch out. And now it's like some sort of particles they're leaving behind. I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, at the end of the day, you just have to let it's it. It's a
0: little contrail. Yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, you just gotta let it go and be like, okay, it was fun, it was cool. Like I liked, I liked I, and the sound effects with it too. Uh, you know, the they probably effects. Yeah, they're probably gonna reveal it. Like Tinkerbell is in there. I, or I believe it. This is,
6: well, you know, Disney's gonna take over the Star Trek franchise, mm-hmm. and it'll be powered by pixie dust, and we'll be all set to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Miles, what, what did you Wait, think? It, what. <laughs> what <laughs> You know, you know, enterprise know being powered but, by uh, pixie dust. Uh, <laughs> totally. Scientific. As far as the warp it's effect,
2: not funny. I mean that's the only thing they really change, I mean, as far as as soon as they should put into warp those particles or whatever got left behind. I just thought maybe it was like ice crystals or something. Yeah. Maybe. Um but
6: you keep telling yourself that, Miles. It's Pixie Dust. It's as good as <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Uh, Jim, how about you? Did you have any uh, any thoughts there on the uh, pixie dust flying out of the Enterprise? I thought it was kind of cool. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. And Em, did you care one way or another?
0: Well, I like sparkle. <laughs> um,
6: <laughs> it's a girly thing, right?
0: I know. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm. I'm. As I eat my bonbons and my water and salad. You know, I'll, I'll perpetuate another stereotype. It's sparkly and pretty. Um, it was it was a neat thing. And I saw it at one of the instances that I saw it. I actually saw it with a, an astrophysicist and a nuclear physicist. Okay. And we were having a little chit-chat about it. <laughs> And he, they both kind of said, you know, it could be, you know, depending on the physics of the dilithium crystals in the process, it could be an actual contrail on the back. And I, I just liked the little crystal-y kind of sound to it because it was a neat little finish. It wasn't just, whoomp, and they're gone. It was just this linger. And I, in 3D, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It was like they were pooping unicorns. (laughs) (laughs)
2: There you go. That's a great metaphor. <laughs> there's
0: there's your tagline for the show today. <laughs> yeah.
6: Star, Trek, pooping, Star Trek pooping unicorns all over the galaxy.
0: Where no one has pooped unicorns.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so what do you guys want to talk about regarding this movie? Let's t- let's take this any direction we want to take. We're contrails. We talked a little bit about how we saw it, but let's get into the movie itself. What do you want? What do you guys want to talk about? Anyone want to? Call uh, dibs? Let's start
2: with visuals. Um, Go ahead. The, the the Enterprise rising out of the ocean. Uh, I know that's gotten some, you know, some some diehard.
6: Nitpicky fans upset about that, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, you know they have force fields, right? Oh, sure. And that they—I mean, there's no reason the Enterprise can't hang out in the water.
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's air. I mean, it's it's space vacuum tight. I wouldn't imagine that water. I mean, water always finds a way, is what they say. But I mean, hypothetically, I would think it could go in in, in water.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't see it being a submersible vehicle. I, you know, I see it hiding there temporarily, but when it when it Flew out of the ocean and went near the volcano to pick Spock up. I mean, I mean, some of these visuals are just absolutely incredible. Um, and, and
0: Stunning. Stunning. Uh,
2: yeah, you, absolutely. And when you see a Star Trek movie, that's what you want to see. You want to see some really cool visuals, and there, there was no shortage of that.
6: No, and certainly not with the Enterprise. Right. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, any other thoughts on that whole scene? Uh, Any commentary? Go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah. The volume of that ship and the water displacement would have really screwed up things. I had an issue with that. I had a big issue with that. I loved it, but it really pissed me off because it was just a plot device. It was just something to make it super cool, and I love super cool and, I, and I, I had this argument with someone last week at lunch that it's just a movie. It's just a movie. And physics is probably different in other parts of the universe, depending on things. But that just the nerd in me immediately thought, oh, with the water displacement, they just completely screwed up. Not only were they seen by the indigenous, but they just screwed up the ecosystem. of that little part of the world. Plus the- But then it was so awesome when it just came out of the water, all shiny. It was great. Well,
2: What, what, what would the water displacement have done if that was hypothetically real?
0: Well, depending on, on if they were in an inlet, it would have massively pushed the water up and along the shore. So it would have caused some sort of flooding. Mm-hmm. So they had to have been like really in a deep crevasse. But even then, there's some water displacement issues. You don't know how big that – if it, they were in a lake or in an ocean. If they were in an ocean, I can buy it. But in a lake – not gonna buy it, you. Uh, you know, in my head, I was like, nah, and then I had to give myself the talk of, it's just a movie. Shut <laughs> up and enjoy it. So I did.
3: <laughs> okay, uh,
1: go ahead, well, Jim. Pike said they were. Pike said they were in an ocean, and I don't. Okay. I don't think the Enterprise would displace that much water. I, you know, I heard. Uh, I listened to a podcast earlier today, where they brought this same issue up. And I thought, well, yeah, but then I thought, well, wait a minute, what about glaciers calving? I mean, that displaces quite a bit of water too, and uh, mm, we don't get flooding on the coast. Mm, so, I, I don't, I don't think the displacement issue would be there. Uh,
7: I, I was more thinking about how close to the shore they were. I mean, that's like some big drop off into an ocean. Yeah, well, they are. They are. It is beside like this cliff, right? There's
8: this huge
6: precipice that's like drops straight down, and if that continues down, they can be hanging out by the shore.
7: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but but it's another planet too, so it doesn't have to behave like Earth. Right, right. Well, the humans
6: don't. The
0: plate tectonics could be different. Right, right. That spins the other direction. You can
6: freeze a volcano. I mean, anything's possible, um, right? I'm
7: pretty sure cold fusion... Oh,
0: should we really
6: get into like that? that? Yeah, let, let's, let's, let's talk about Dr. Freeze or Mr. Freeze cutting loose in this volcano. What do you think about that?
2: <laughs> you know what? I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they have something in the 23rd century that might be able to do something
6: like that. Well, they do. I saw it in Star Trek. So you? There, there you, there you <laughs> go. There you <laughs> go.
2: Um, so, you know, that, that, that didn't bother me. I mean... Um, I mean, we, we could talk about the scene as far as what it's meant, um, but as far as visual, you had Spock being in the volcano, the, the shuttlecraft in the volcano. Um, beautiful, that, that, just beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a gorgeous scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
7: My only, my only rough spot with that scene is how small of an area Spock falls onto. It just seems like. Percentage-wise, of that He's actually the happened,
0: guy ever.
7: Yeah, like I, I was like, well, could they just made that a little bit more like realistically large? But it's just this tiny little thing that he just happens to to fall on when the rope breaks. Yeah. But again, it's a movie, so I just enjoyed the visuals.
6: Was a rope dangling over that piece? Well, when... the,
7: but the the shuttlecraft was like swaying all over the place before that. Before like they were trying to pull him out. So yeah. I mean. Whatever it was, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he, had
1: he had fallen in the lot. Sure, been a short movie.
7: Yeah, right.
6: yeah. Well, we could have brought we could have brought Spot Prime back in to replace him. Right, that had worked. Yeah. He has experience uh, with he's Khan. Tired now. Right, right, right. As he's been for years. Right. W- what else about this movie? What else? Uh, what else hit you? What else uh, you want to chat about?
2: Well, th- as far as the scene, we already talked about it visually, but I like the fact. Um, I mean th this is very Star Trek. This is very Jim Kirk. Him going to a planet and basically saying, screw the Prime Director. I'm going to do what I think is right. And that's what he does here. This is, you know, he did a classic series. He, he's doing it here right now. He's trying to save these people. Um, and um, what's interesting is, you know, in the original series he never – you know, he always got away with it, it seemed, but this time he doesn't. When, when he gets back to Earth, he thinks they're going to get this cool five-year mission to go on to, and he gets his, his command taken from him. So I, I like the fact that we saw, you know, this the, this, this is where Kirk was in the original series a lot of the time, and we see this time it bites him on the butt for doing it.
6: Yeah, but that's not permanent. It's not permanent, but— But, yeah, I know. I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know he's kind of held, he's kind of called to the carpet well, here. It, Go ahead, Jim.
1: I like what, yeah, I like what Miles said, and and uh Kirk summed it up. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I only know what I can do, and that that's kind of what governs Kirk and and how he proceeds.
7: Hmm. We also have to remember this is a new universe. Uh, I mean. Well, just along the lines of something i heard someone say is what why do they even have rank cuz no one follows the rules <laughs>
3: <laughs> very true
7: <laughs> but uh one thing we have to remember about is everyone in starfleet is most most everyone in the fleet is is very young cuz the fleet was pretty much destroyed uh previously they lost over
2: half a dozen ships in the last movie
7: yeah so like a lot of the people running running stuff are are, are just like rushed through cadets and Kirk had 14 years of schooling before he took over the Enterprise. And at the time, he was the youngest captain. And now we have a Kirk who only had three years of Academy. And he's super young. So he's got even... I mean, think of the, think of the, the things that, that the Kirk that we're used to did going against the rules. And you have to imagine, well, he's got like all this learning and stuff behind him that the Kirk in the movie doesn't have. So he's going to make much more uh, rash decisions. Right, right. But we also have a Spock that is I mean, a little. Go,
6: go ahead, M.
0: Oh, sorry. Well, there was kind of a at the very beginning. I that it was the classic Kirk, but it was a it's you see him being very reckless, like he was in the first movie when he stole his stepdad's car. Yeah. Oh, you know, no. and that just that recklessness of well, I'm going to do it, and this is because I this is what I want to do, and he it's pretty clear that he doesn't really respect what the chair is about. And then it's, it's then Pike actually like throws it in his face. You don't respect what the chair is about. So they took the chair away from him and Pike was his father figure. Pike was what the only person who could rein him in and losing that and really understanding, okay, I've lost the chair. I've lost my father figure. This is epic. And I, I need to get my head out of my derriere. (laughs) There was, and there was a, there's a, There's a state when Sulu gets the chair, I can't remember who said it, if it was Bones or if... I think it was Bones. Um, Sulu just looked at the chair and kind of had that moment of... Or was it Kirk? Um, You know, your first time in the... It's just my first time in the chair. There was that kind of level of respect. I didn't see that out of Jim Kirk when he got in the first movie. And he was kind of... It was shoved down his throat in the second one.
6: Yeah, he was almost—he was almost so I, f- forced to kind of, you know, respect the Jeremy I mean, he loses his father figure. That kind of sh- jolts him into reality. But I wonder—I think
0: it made for a better movie and a, and a richer kind of Jim Kirk than we got in the TV show. Mm. I'm curious to see how they're going to take that further. Mm.
2: Well, I wonder. You know, we say he got—yeah, he did get his command back pretty much right away after. The scene that comes out later, but I wonder if was that, that was just so Admiral Marcus can kind of get rid of him. Mm. You know, it's like like mm-hmm. I, I, I can kind of kill two birds with one stone here. I could just get rid of Kirk.
6: Or I can control him to, he, well, he take, to get, take, take take him out and take out the Klingons, right?
7: Yeah, he wanted him to take those missiles, so he wanted mm-hmm. somebody like ready to take those missiles out without question.
6: Right, Right, but then then he brought, you know, I know
2: we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but then, but then he brought the vengeance to uh, you know to the Enterprise's direction make sure that Khan was dealt. Well, now he just, you know. Right. John Harrison was dealt with.
6: <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it, and he does so, I think, out because he does want to respect the chair. He takes those missiles all, almost without question and says, well, we're going to do exactly what we've been told Dill mm-hmm. until his crew... At the
0: expense of losing Scotty.
6: Right. Uh, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Well, do you think, I mean, it starts out as a... As a after Pike is killed in a scene with that um where where Harrison brings that that jump ship and attacks that one conference room and kills Pike and lots of other you know captains and um at that point I mean it was a revenge mission for Kirk at that point Do you think he would, you know that's what I, that's what I took out of it that you know, he wanted to get get this guy for killing you know his mentor father figure whatever
6: yeah, I think I would agree with that mm hmm uh Jim, Jim, what do you think of that? Uh, was he on a revenge mission at that point?
1: Um, yeah, I think I I think he was. The the neat thing was though that he instead of doing what uh, Marcus wanted him to do, which was just blowing the kingdom come, he was going to bring him back for justice. And that shows that Kirk does have some good judgment at
7: least. Mm. Well, I don't, he wasn't going to do that originally. Didn't Spock talk him into that? He had to be talked into. Yes, yeah. that we don't just nuke mm-hmm. the planet. Yeah, and uh, yeah, got talked uh, Before we go too far, since we're kind of talking about the scene, and, and, and uh, I don't know who, who's, who took notice of this, but when Admiral Robocop was <laughs> was talking to <laughs> was talking to Kirk, he had models of all the, the Enterprises behind him from like planes. To the um, Phoenix, to... Uh, to the Dreadnought. To, yeah, yeah, so he had the, like, super advanced thing, the, the super advanced ship, like, as a model on his desk. Did anyone else know that? I was like, wait a minute, that's the ship that we've seen in the trailers. Did you notice mm-hmm.
0: that, Em? I did. I kind of giggled the first time I saw it. I was like, well, why is that there? And, and so then like, when they when they show when it was revealed, then I went, oh yeah, yeah. no, anyway, no that's there, that's
7: great. But when you think anyone else that's who came to- in, he's an admiral. Other high ranking people have to come in and be like, hey, what's this ship here? Yeah, you know, I, I've never seen this thing before.
0: Yeah. Well, he's the admiral. He doesn't have to answer you,
7: right?
3: Right. Gee,
0: admiral, what's that? None of your damn business. Give <laughs> <laughs> me twenty.
3: Yeah. yeah. That's Dude.
0: if Samuel L. Jackson was the. Admiral. Right,
6: right, right. <laughs> True.
0: There are snakes on the Enterprise. <laughs> Sorry. No. I had to
6: oh um, Boy, did that ship make the Enterprise look puny, though. Oh, yeah. When that, when that ship comes oh, out, wow. you're like,
0: holy crap, they're in trouble.
6: Yeah, that was one ugly-looking ship.
0: It was dead sexy evil <laughs> is what yeah. it was.
6: Here, here. We, we, that, that should be the other tag, tagline for our show:
7: "Dead, sexy, evil." Dead, sexy, sexy evil. <laughs> I love the malfunction of the ship too. I was I was taken off guard by that. I was not expecting it. What you malfunction? Know, the gun didn't go off. They, like he's oh,
3: and it just kind
7: of uh, yeah. It's yeah. like here it is, the end. I was like, okay, they're going to get shot, and that's when we're going to see them falling into the earth. What well, well, they were but, showing in the clips, yeah, you know,
6: crashing into the ocean. Instead, it's the other ship.
7: Yeah, yeah. But then, then the gun went. I was like, oh, okay, now we're in for something. But yeah. <laughs> and you kind
6: of for- forget that Scotty was kind of behind the scenes there. Yeah. But uh, what did you think of? Uh, since we're kind of moving our way in this direction, so they get to the Klingon. What, homeworld, right? And um, they encounter the Klingons. What do you think of the whole we, we We see him so briefly here, but what did you think of his portrayal of the, uh, the Klingons? That's an
0: update. That so wasn't me. Oh. No. That so wasn't me. <laughs> okay. Something about an update? I don't know. Not it. Not upgrade,
6: it. upgrade, upgrade. Well, the, the Klingons. I'm back. Now oh.
0: for an upgrade.
6: Oh, that, that, that was you, Jim. <laughs> so, so, what did you yeah. think, Jim, of the upgrades to the Klingons?
1: I I didn't like it at all. I I I'll tell you what. I guess I'm just too used to what I've seen on television on the TV series. But I, I just didn't. Uh, I like the language. I like the way they talked. I did not care for the makeup.
7: Mm. How, how so? What was it that like was off-putting to you?
1: Oh, I don't know. It just it just didn't feel right. I mean, the hair wasn't there. They they were bald. Uh, why were they wearing masks? Uh, the uniforms weren't right. It just didn't feel right.
2: Hmm. Well, I mean, so
0: this was a conversation that my brother and I were having because this is if you follow Enterprise you get that whole introduction to the eugenics and what they did to the klingons to make them look more human which then in ds9 when they go back in time and they're like "Worf what happened?" and he goes, "We don't talk about it." Because now they all look, you know, that forehead and and there's there's a there's little snippets in the different series that kind of feed into that. So in we my brother and I came to terms with the look was that it was after the eugenics where they started, um, where they had played a little with the, um, the Klingon DNA to look them, make them look a little more human to infiltrate human societies. And then them reverting back to what they were genetically. So they didn't look quite like what we were used to in Next Gen. Or how they first appeared in, in Enterprise. But then in Enterprise, when they started giving them all the drugs... So I figured this was part of the evolution that Worf said we're not going to talk about it. Um, Mm. But again, dead sexy evil. I thought it was a neat, a different interpretation of it. But I'm with you, Jim. It was a little hard to 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 take. Mm. So we had we had to justify it a little.
7: I I also viewed it as a step between. That's how when I when I saw the forehead, how it was like a little bit smaller, not quite as um, they kind of reminded me of um, shoot Worf's son. Alexander, and how okay. it was like how Alexander. it was like a, yeah how it was like a kind of receded um, crown to the forehead. And I just thought, oh, this but is but
0: without all the whining and bad acting. <laughs>
7: <Yeah>. <laughs> very true, very true. And then i i just took I just took the helmet. Is like there. Um, way of showing the forehead off without having it. Right. Although, I would have preferred to see them with no helmet and yeah. acting more Klingon. The
0: piercings were amazing. Doing the piercing and the ridging? Yeah. yeah. That was hardcore. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I heard someone comment that they were beaten just a little bit too easily for Klingons. Well, I, I, with... But this was Khan.
2: This right? was Khan. I mean, he's a genetic Superman. I, I bought it. Yeah, and he had, those, he had that huge gun with him too. So I
7: mean, yeah,
6: guns <laughs> against Batlath, no
7: contest. <laughs> no contest. Mm-hmm. I like I like the. I, I the... thought it was
1: really cool. Go ahead, Jim. I thought it was really cool. He took out an entire platoon of Klingons single-handedly. I just that was awesome.
6: <laughs> well, it really, it really demonstrated. It really demonstrated Khan, and then to have him right after that saying. How many missiles do you have in your ship? Seventy-two. Oh, I surrender. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this is not a dude to be messed with. Right, Uh, they should have been. Well, they were. People were suspicious of him surrendering, but.
2: (laughs) Well, I liked you know after he takes out those Klingons and surrenders, you know, Kirk just starts wailing on him, and Harrison doesn't defend himself. He just lets. Kirk try to kick the crap out of him, but Kirk is kicking the crap out of himself by trying to do right, it. Right, right, right.
6: Um, totally funny scene. So after the Klingon battle scene, anything else you want to comment regarding that scene?
7: I, I do. I want to say I really like seeing the proto birds of prey, or that's what I'm referring to them as, the smaller versions of the later ber- giant birds of prey that we're used to seeing. I thought no, that, that was, was cool. That was because really, they they looked incomplete and not like I mean, very warlike, but at the same time, not ready for uh, show. Mm-hmm, so,
0: their wings went up and down. Well, so did I don't this. remember.
2: So did the other ones.
0: Do they? I never remember that.
2: They yeah. can retract, but you never really
7: saw. They didn't flap though. Watch, watch the voyage home, and and they move a lot. Uh, between mm-hmm. when they when they're flying long distance, they're flat, and when they fight, they curve down, and when it lands on the ground, they go all the way up. Yeah, we All saw that. All right, well, my move.
0: geek card's taken away because I never
2: knew. <laughs> New no card for you. You see the wings move up in Star Trek Three: uh, Search for Spock when they land. Yeah,
7: but they don't flap.
6: They just right.
7: Have, yeah, yeah, these were definitely <laughs> flapping. Yeah, these well, I mean, flapping. Sort of. They were flapping moving. wings. They were moving a lot. <laughs> right.
6: Maybe that I was kind of. Look- go ahead, mm-hmm. Jim. I thought they looked like bees. So they're Klingon bees of prey. There we go. The
1: way
0: way they hovered, the way they kind of moved and hovered, I can see that. I can totally see that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and 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 then the the rear, the rear end of the ship. Did you notice it? It somewhat resembled uh, Serenity. Firefly.
7: Yeah, glowing yellow. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm gonna have to go see it again. Oh. Oh,
7: I (laughs) know.
6: Darn it. Darn (laughs) it. Can't take the skies away from me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
6: so okay, we so we get him on board. Um, is that when we get the reveal? The reveal soon after that, isn't it?
2: They, they 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 put him in that you know. Um,
6: well, actually, yeah, Mark doesn't Rick. Marcus come in first, and that's where we get the reveal, isn't that right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. See, I only saw the movie once. How about for some of you that saw it like five million times? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly, because we get Marcus on the ship, ship, or whatever her name was, and then Scotty quits, and then they find the dude, then they capture, capture quote-unquote, yeah, the, the dude, and then they have a nice little chit-chat with him, and... He just, he just, his voice is like dark silk. It's delicious.
6: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> aren't you glad he asked the girl to be on the show? I now? Did.
6: Absolutely, I did. That's the other tagline for the show: Star <laughs> Star Trek, Dark Delicious. Sci-Fi
0: Diner After Dark. No. <laughs> There's. Uh, their Marcus reveal isn't for the Marcus reveal happens, and she's all like, "Oh, don't tell, don't tell," and then the Khan reveal was when they're stuck in Klingon space, and Spock asks if they're within the new homeworld of Vulcan because he, he they don't learn about Khan until they talk to Spock Prime.
6: No, no, no. They they learn about it. They learn about Spock contacts Spock Prime after learning
7: about Khan. Yeah, when they're in like the after Kirk goes over to the other <gasps> you're ship.
0: You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right.
7: Yeah, this is.
0: Didn't he say his own name then?
7: Yeah, and I thought I thought
2: he 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 gave that information out, you know, pre, pre, pretty pretty really? early. Yeah. Right well,
6: after I thought when thing. when Robocop shows up, right, and he says, and he kind of, you know. Takes the Enterprise to task that Kirk then goes and confronts him. He goes, Who are you? And as he goes, and then that's why he goes, I am Khan. Mm-hmm. And like the theater just
7: erupts, right. Right. you yes. know? And, and Scott, it's it's Admiral Robocop? Let's oh, just, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
6: All right, Admiral <laughs> Robocop. Well, I'm
0: so sad at the stuff, like significant stuff that I'm not remembering, but like other little stuff, like, you know, Dark Silk. I right, 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 right.
6: <laughs> Jim, 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 am I remembering that correctly or do we have the right order of that?
1: Yes, Khan was revealed before uh, Carol Marcus was. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. That's right.
7: Ah, yeah. uh, yes, because then, then Spock goes down to, because he puts the notion that they should check out what's inside of the, the stuff, and that's when Spock goes down to talk to her. Talk to
0: yes, her. yes, yes. Yeah,
7: and
6: isn't that then when they go, they ship off the missile to the Gorn world? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Is that, Am I right about that? The, the planet that they ship off is the planet of where they fought the Gorn. The yeah. Gorn, right? So, okay. mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Is that, was that Cestus mm-hmm. Three? I'm trying to remember.
6: Yeah. Uh, is, is that right? Am I right about that for you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay,
7: yeah. yeah. Right. I was expecting to see them.
6: Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't.
7: But. I know. I've seen like uh, I guess there's they're in the well. Game McCoy,
6: or McCoy, McCoy makes a reference. Like I've delivered, you know, I've delivered many Gorn on this. Whatever, whatever, whatever the reference is. Yeah, that. Hmm. that. Hmm.
0: Well, he was being Doctor Charm,
6: right,
7: right, right, <laughs> and his hand gets caught in the missile, and they have like five seconds to disarm it. No. We just totally skipped over the Con reveal. Oh, well, so let's we back did. up. <laughs> 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 oh, well, oh, so he's Con. John. <laughs> who was who was surprised by that? Because I was surprised because I was I you know this oh it's Con it's Con and then but then they kept releasing the stuff saying no it's um. What John, John Harrison, Harrison, who is an, a, a real character from the original series, and so I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense for him to have godlike powers because that's what that guy did. What, what was John Harrison an original character? Oh, you, I think you're thinking of um... you're thinking of. I thought he was the he was the guy who got the godlike. No, powers. No, 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 no. That's uh, Gary Mitchell. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's Gary Mitchell. All right. Okay. <laughs> I got him confused. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that was my own fault. Even confused. though I saw it coming, like once the movie started, I was like, man, they're really like this is all. Really adding up to be Khan, and I was like, "No, that's not." They said it wasn't. They said it was, and they says it. I'm like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Here's the thing, though.
2: Um, last fall or so, it got leaked out that he was playing Khan, and we even said something on the podcast. We, we, we said, "Hey, potential spoilers here. This is what these news sites are saying. They're saying that Cumberbatch is playing Khan. Uh, don't know if that's if, if that's true and gospel, but and that and then you know I think they tried to." to, you know, divert that away or whatever. Um, but that got revealed pretty early that he was playing Khan.
6: And then, of course, Abram said, um, no, he's not Khan. He is some other character, original villain that we're going to do. And, uh, but he is a character from the original series. We knew that. And they, mm-hmm. there, but there was some stuff we just didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, how about for you? Was the Khan reveal when you first saw did that shock your pants off or were you kind of expecting it?
1: The very first time I saw it, it gave me chills. Uh, <laughs> because, honest to goodness, I avoided any possible spoilers. I didn't read anything about the movie. I went into the theater pure. And, uh, you know, I guess, I guess I wasn't surprised. And then again, I was because uh, Abrams had denied it over and over again. But, yeah, when he said, I am con, it, it just sent chills through me.
6: Hmm. yeah how about for you Adam?
0: I'd heard on your podcast about um, about Khan and I thought well that's kind of interesting it's the second movie that's about right and then everyone was saying no it's not Khan it's not Khan and I, it was still kind of stuck in my head so as we're seeing and he, when he did the thing with the blood to give to Mickey um, <laughs>
7: <laughs> which we, we all know what happens to him now so just gotta wait for Doctor Who to work that out right 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: So he gave it to Mickey to give to Mickey's daughter, and I thought, mm, in the whole universe, the only thing I can remember, a, but it was a blood kind of thing. I, I, I just, I had it. It's got to be con. It's got to be con. It's got to be con. So when the reveal happened and there was the big gasps in the background, I like fist pumped and went, yes,
3: <laughs> so
0: deliciously pleased. It was very satiating, and he was, he was a beautiful con he was as elegant as ricardo montalban he was as badass as ricardo montalban he he really delivered the um, the character just it the way he it was lovely and i i i just started recently reading things because i was like you jim i didn't want to be spoiled i just want to enjoy it for the purity that it is about and i was reading an article about other actors that were looked at for Khan, and i they were The other actor, I think, uh, Benicio del Toro, he's just so aggressive looking and so thick and built. And it wasn't going to be elegant the way Khan, to me, always was. Just there's this intelligent elegance where I'm above all of you, I'm above war, I'm above all of this. But if you get in my way, I will squish you. There's not a, I have no problems because you mean nothing to me. And Cumberpatch delivered. That like like friggin' Domino's.
1: Yeah, and th- I'll tell you what, there there is nobody that could have played Khan ever as well as Ricardo Montalban did.
0: Amen, uh, brother.
1: He was perfect. Mm. But I I did like Cumberbatch a lot. Um, yeah. The the funny thing of it is though is what I've heard and something that that has kind of been a burr is that. He's British, okay? And he's supposed to be, what, a Sikh, an Indian Sikh uh, person, and that had me, uh, that's one thing that had me confused. I just could not understand how they could do a British guy being Khan.
2: Jim, this is how I kind of, I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, this is going to be one of my nitpicks of the movie is, I mean, I, I, I think, Karbachch 's performance was brilliant. he played a you know fantastic villain, but calling him Khan, I had a problem with because for the reasons that Jim mentioned he you know he there 's nothing in he 's about as Indian as I am um, uh, so but this is how I kind of rationalized my personal canon, and I wish they may would have made mention of this just as they changed his name they, Starfleet also changed his appearance, maybe they gave him cosmetic surgery, so Maybe some historically astute person wouldn't have figured out that he was, you know, he was con. They just, you know, altered his appearance. So yeah. that's that, I, that's what I do.
0: I have a little response to that Mm-mm. because my last name is Garcia, and I am I am as Lily White as any Scott, Scott person Scottish person you could find in the world. The you can be born anywhere. And be born of any color, of any any facial feature. I ha- so in my mind, he, you know, the the Brits were pretty much owned India for a very long time. So in my mind, I thought, okay, that makes sense. He's just a different. He can still be a con. It could be a name by marriage. It could be, it just, it just. I, I understand where you're coming from because you want the you want that canon, um, but I. I just, I see it a little different. I just saw it differently. That, yeah. okay, he just, his dad married a much lighter woman, or who knows. Right,
6: right. And what, you know, what we're going here then is uh, we're stereotyping the way Khan should look based on our stereotypes of India, right? Well, uh, he,
2: well, Monteban was an Indian. He was
0: fromino
2: yeah. you know, was he Mexican or, or or was he from Spain? I forget which, but
0: he was of Spanish descent, but I think he had some Mexican as well, some Mexican family
2: so i mean I, so so I'll grant you you know he wasn't necessarily Indian either, but it's just that but, but in all fairness, Cumberbatch doesn't resemble Ricardo Montalban at all I mean.
7: If you need to, think of it this way. They were genetically advanced and advancing themselves genetically. The con that we're used to is much older. He had all that time to
2: improve himself. Well, like mm-hmm. I said, that, that, how I rationalize it in my own mind is that Starfleet gave him cosmetic surgery, so uh, he, wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't tip anybody off. If right, they right, change right. his name, they change his appearance. Right, right. That's my story. I'm sticking to it.
6: There you go. (laughs) You're entitled entitled to that. (laughs) That's okay. You're
0: totally allowed. Yeah,
6: totally allowed. Totally allowed. It did not bother me. I wasn't as... I mean, I came into Star Trek much later. I wasn't a... I I thought that he carried off the intent and purpose and demeanor of Khan, um, maybe even a bit more ruthlessly than the original Khan. Maybe I'll get hate mail for that, but I thought he did just as comparable a job. And he was even more you know because he would say in one in one one step he would say i'm with you And the next next step turn around and be crushing you know robocop's head mm-hmm. you know it's just it was like boom just like that and you didn't see a dramatic change and ugh, it, was it was just so gross. yeah it was. it was it was one of the scenes you kind of just turn away even though they don't show anything it's kind of one of the scenes you know, you know what's going kinda, on though yeah you just kind of turn away and like ugh, it's happening and you this guy is not to be messed with you'll have to watch uh, have
2: you seen Space Seed, the original series episode with with Khan? No, I've only ever seen I've only ever seen the uh, movie. Okay, there was some ruthlessness to Khan in that episode.
6: That that wasn't as much in the movie then. Yeah. let yeah. uh, Okay. We'll see, maybe that's what I'm missing. Mm-hmm.
7: But. <laughs> he wasn't super powered though in that in the original though was he? Like strength wise, we just didn't. I mean, we, we just never saw it. We never really
2: saw it. I mean, uh, he was getting the upper hand on when he fought Kirk, but. Kirk got a blunt object and was able to, you know... Yeah, I knew that he just knocked him out with, like, a pipe. Yeah. 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 Lead pipe always works.
7: <laughs> it does, it does.
0: Silk, no. that I'm sorry, but Cumberbatch, who I think I called Cumberbund earlier.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I call him Cumberbatch, so... I'm yeah.
0: enchanted by the sound of his voice. I want him to read every audiobook. <laughs> all the books. He needs to read all the books.
6: Right, right. They
2: got Alice Eve to read the uh, audiobook for... Just this, this, for this tie-in novel.
6: Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, what's next? What do you want to talk about next? The
7: Let, ship. Let's talk about the ship. And that's, I mean, overall through the whole story, the ship takes a beating. Like, I mean, you think it's going to get destroyed. At, towards the end of the movie, I thought I was struggling inside with the idea of them destroying the Enterprise in the second movie. Because when, cause I just when I think of the Next Generation movies, it's just like every movie the ship gets destroyed and the next one they have a new ship even like even i think even when you go from first contact to uh insurrection it's just a new ship just because am i wrong no
2: they no it's Is still the same, same ship one? so they they, they, just, did, they didn't lose the ship in first contact
7: yeah i know but i mm-hmm. thought it just i thought it changed maybe it's just the visuals looked so much better mm-hmm. but i was like i was like i don't know if i'm ready for them to have a new ship already and, and do that so quickly.
2: Well, even Scotty said that you know the ship is dead.
7: Yeah, yeah, but I was glad that it, you know in the end it, mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't change much. Mm-hmm. And I I don't, I, mean, I don't remember what the engineering looked like in the original series very much, but this was like a very different look at, at engineering than what I'm used to.
2: Well, I they I they they used the same beer factory. Oh, they did. I was yeah. wondering about that. And they also used. There's this physics lab that experiment with lasers to try to invent cold fusion. Uh, I saw this on a documentary um, the day after I saw the movie actually, and that that there's a part of engineering or whatever which is basically this this the, this physics lab that they found which would be cool, they thought would be cool to film I mean they added some stuff to it, but they didn't they didn't build it from scratch mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, I, I just I just thought it was it was great to see the the ship take a beating and and I mean they don't have the same kind of force fields that we're used to like so when they talk to Cumberbutt they use the like little <laughs> little circle thing that opened up and and so they could reach through the glass I thought that was such a cool idea that was a cool effect was on the really in the brick yeah. And seeing it just like as it's falling apart and they're running and the ship is kinda of turning and you get to see like them hanging um, off of the catwalks and Yeah. Or even just when they're in the in the one area where they're going where they're going over the catwalk and you see up and you see how like high up that circular thing goes and how many walkways are destroyed above them. It just gave a a great like scope to how large the ship is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well and there's a moment there where it's very character developing in the beginning of the movie Kirk says, you know, how many people have I lost since I took command? And in this when he gets back to the ship, he's his ship is down his ship is falling apart. He's watching there's the they're hanging sideways respectively and they're they're both reaching, both he and Scotty are reaching for this woman who's sliding down and they don't catch her and Pine's face just took it in and really it it built up to that moment where he's like, just no, just take me, leave my crew, do whatever you want with me. The, there's a really, it was, I for me I saw that kind of switch in his head turn and realize that his actions have consequences much bigger than he expected.
6: Oh, if we back up a little, when the ship,
0: or am I thinking too much?
6: <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it's, I think it's
2: great. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the ship goes to warp to try to get away from the the vengeance. Um... They think, okay, we're at warp, we'll be okay, and then the vengeance follows them at warp and takes them out. Well, shoot, starts sh- shooting at the ship, and there's that scene where people are sucked into the space at warp. I think it was, right. that's the first time we've seen something like that before. That's pretty.
6: Uh. It was pretty disastrous, but cool.
7: How did you feel about when the ship came out of warp? That that bugged me a little bit. How oh, it tumbled. Well, it made it seem like it was in a tunnel when, mm. uh, you know, warp isn't. Again, this is nerd theory. Warp isn't a tunnel as much as just what everything looks like when you're going that speed. Because we've seen in other episodes when they drop out of warp, it's just like a sudden stop. And everything just kind of goes from being streaks of line to all of a sudden being in focus. But Mm -hmm. in this, when they got hit, they moved sideways and like blew out of a wall kind of and spun around. Mm. That bugged me a little bit. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Bugged me a little
1: bit. There is precedent for that, though. Okay. Yes, I was I was listening to uh, Star Talk Radio with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and and he said in order to warp space, in order to go at those speeds, at relativistic speeds like that, you would have to create a wormhole to do it. So, what I saw was the Enterprise, got knocked sideways out of the wormhole that they were in, uh, while they were at warp.
7: Right. I mean that's how I interpreted it as well, but. I'm just not used to it being in that universe, being a wormhole, like a wor- working like that in that universe. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Uh, well, what does DeGrassi know? He doesn't even believe in Pluto anymore.
7: Seriously. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there. <laughs>
0: so meh. <blah. laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bitter about Pluto. I will always be bitter about Pluto. Nonetheless, it was the when it tumbled like that. It took me a while to to. To think sciencey enough to think, okay. And the wormhole concept came to mind, but I just didn't know how how to put it together. So I'd actually like to listen to that and hear his point of view, even though he's wrong about Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Now Neil deGrasse Tyson didn't do that. Someone else did that. He just agrees with it.
6: Uh, oh yeah, yeah. True. But the but, fact that he well, agrees he with it, he's hypnosta. complicit. He's complicit. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we should have yeah. just zipped it and left it alone
6: That's right I- Pluto but is just, That's another show Pluto was not harming anyone You know what we did miss one thing when they take um uh, not Chekhov. Who's the other guy? It was Chekhov? They take Chekhov and make him a red shirt. Right. <laughs> I yeah. love his paws at that moment. You want me to do what? Put on a red <laughs> shirt. what you put on a red shirt, I mean, and that was totally for the fans. Yeah. yeah. You know that. that <laughs> you know.
2: I was thinking Chekhov should at least got a, you know, a, a braid on his sleeve if, if they're gonna make him the interim chief of engineering. Right. You know, right. He, he's still just a little Jensen, and uh, I mean, I understand it. They need to give Chekhov something to do in the movie, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, he should at least got, you know, a promotion for his troubles. Right, right. He's
0: like 19 years old and in charge of this giant <laughs> flying bomb.
7: I think that he his, of all the characters in the movie, I felt that his was the least used I don't, And to me. I mean, we saw a good deal of everyone else. In the first movie, like, we just, it, even if he wasn't talking, like, we saw him on the bridge. But in this movie, he was just, like, lost yeah. after he went to engineering.
6: Yeah, well, that and that brings up, That brings up another avenue of the movie that we do need to talk about is how well developed uh, was the characterization within this movie, or was it overshadowed by the flashing lights, explosions, and uh, and flashy plot line that we had going on here, and um, and uh, we can uh, maybe get to that a little bit. But let's just uh, let's continue through our diatribe through the movie, and then we can come back to that a little bit. We didn't we didn't no one discussed their flight through the through through space. Yeah. Avoiding all that junk. What do mm-hmm. you think of that?
2: Very impressive looking. I mean, uh, I'm thinking M. That that might have made you a little nauseous watching that. I don't know, but uh, in three in
0: the 3D, that's where I lost. I almost lost my my popcorn.
2: Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, it was definitely cool to
7: watch. Um, yeah, I
1: I
0: really it was hard enjoyed to it. Spend my disbelief there.
7: Really? I well, it was. was it the visuals or what was it that that did it for you there?
0: You know, all of those items in motion, and the way things spin, and how fast they're going, and they're zipping along, and all right, Khan is a super genius, and he's no wily Coyote. He can make things actually happen, but it just was, you know, as soon as Kirk got that chip in his helmet, I thought, oh, his HUD's going down. What's going to happen? Khan's going to save the day. It just... I, I don't know. It was a, it was a neat way to get them over there. It really was, but the whole like we've got a debris field. Shocker.
7: Yeah.
3: It's
0: not going to be easy to get over there. Oh dear, I had no idea.
7: Were there? I forget were there weapons down by this point? The, the Enterprise's weapons? Yeah, or- the
0: weapons down.
7: Okay. Those they they could have. Thane shooting at the other ship to shoot some of the the stuff out, but I guess it's too late for that. I mean,
2: the transporters were down. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they had the crap. The Enterprise had the crap kicked out of it already. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah.
7: I liked it. First thing I thought when they put they put on the suits and even in the trailers before they shoot him out, is I thought this looks a lot like Tron.
6: <laughs> <laughs> all we need, is, all we need yeah. is Daft Punk playing in the background, <laughs> and we'd be good to go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Daft Punk Star Trek theme song. I'm sure it could be done.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Sign me up for that.
6: Yeah, I liked
2: how Scotty. They, they, I mean, they were on their way to the shuttle bay. How Scotty kind of like tied himself to a console and he's trying to, you know, yeah, um, tuck his way out of because there's just there's a security guy uh, that's saying,
6: Yeah, I oh, belong what? here. I belong here. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm on the crew. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, I,
0: Can we talk a little about Scotty? Yeah,
6: let's, <laughs> let's, talk about it. It, let's talk about Scotty.
0: How much of it was Scotty and how much of it was Simon Pegg being Simon Pegg? Because it just seemed a little over Scottish to me, but it was still deliciously funny.
7: There's definitely Simon Pegg in there. This is the new younger Scotty. I, I don't okay. Know. I mean, that's how, this, that's how I take it. Yeah. it. It didn't bother me at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jim, how about you? What did you think of Scotty, this
1: movie? Oh, I like Simon Pegg. I think he's great, but nah, I just felt like he was a little too much comic relief.
0: Yes. Mm. He, he, he was very respectful of the role. For the first movie, he had spoken to Doohan's son and, and watched a lot of the show and made sure that he delivered. I think he, I just think he overcomiced it. He made him a little cartoony for me, and that made me sad because I love Scotty. No,
2: I, I totally agree. I did like in this movie that Scotty is the first voice of conscience in this. I mean, yes. as far as bringing these missiles on and, and basically shooting them from, you know, he's like saying, you know, we're not even going to give this guy a trial. We're just going to just take him out, and he, you know,
6: he, he this violates his own person. And he copy. stands by those convictions, and yeah. he's off the enterprise.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That was you're right, you're right.
7: So see, to me, that action made his his comic relief. Like it brought it brought a sense of seriousness to him, even though he's joking around. Like he's not a stupid comical character. He's like he's got a lot of thought behind him. He's just doesn't have a lot of control over his mouth. Yeah.
6: Well, yeah, <laughs> and, that's, and that's true what? for uh, the Simon Pegg part of Scotty.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I wouldn't say that's true for the doing part of Scotty. No, you know? no. Uh, certainly.
1: What I'm thinking, though, is, okay, in the original series, in the movie, Scotty was funny, but he wasn't trying to be funny. You know what mm. I mean? Right. Uh, and the one, the one time he did try to be funny... When he hit his head in that that abomination of uh, <laughs> Star Trek Five or whatever it was, when he hit his head and, and got knocked out, it didn't work. Okay, but Simon Pegg is being funny. I'm sure the script is telling him to be, but he's doing it on purpose. And uh, I don't know. I'm. I, I think. I think he could have been written better.
2: We were set well thought it was cool how Scotty was, you know, tied himself to that console so he wouldn't blow out his space right. when he opened the airlock doors. Yeah, versus the other guy who did. Oh yes, he, he 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 took an unscheduled flight.
3: Yeah,
7: yeah. One thing that that stood out to me is is Spock was on on key to like oh, uh, cover butts up to something, Khan's up to something, and so so Kirk gets over to the other ship and he's like buddy buddy with Khan. I mean he he knows Khan's up to something but he doesn't really like act on it and so all of a sudden just to throw a throwaway line to scotty where he's like i think we're the ones helping him you know mm-hmm. not, right not right and i was like why did they wait so long for him to express that disbelief in him well it and then just, just and right weird. around that same time is when
6: you know our you know 2009 spock you know calls prime spock and says hey what's up with this con guy and you, know, there's, and, you know, this whole prime directive kicks in that I'm not going to tell you anything but in the case of Khan, <laughs> you know. He kind of spills the beans, right? I, I, I love well, that scene. Well, he
0: said it beautifully, though. You know, he gave the whole temporal prime directive. And then it, that being said, he just made a statement about Khan. He didn't... That's uh, all he did. <laughs> he didn't give him information. He just verbalized a statement. Well, we
6: don't know what they said because they cut away from that scene. So he could have went on and explained a little bit more about what true. Khan did.
0: That's true. Because Spock Prime got a little fluffier with the rules as he got older. Yeah.
7: <laughs> I love that scene, but everyone else on the bridge could see and is now aware of Spock Prime. I didn't feel like that that was something that... Was that hidden? Well, I thought that Kirk knew it and Spock knew it. He's
6: standing there in the deck when they're unloading the Enterprise in the last movie. I mean, the whole world sees Spock Prime. They're hanging. They, out with they don't
7: know that he's Spock, though, do they? Like, who doesn't know he's Spock? Oh, wait,
6: is this, this? I universe, think at but, some you know.
0: point you have to. There's, there's really, it's going to be impossible to hide.
6: He's in charge of the Vulcan settlement, uh, like
7: resettlement. I mean, people has to know. Like, this is
6: unless he changes his name.
7: Yeah, well, you would just think that if everyone knew that this guy from the future was around. They would just be like on him about the future all the time. Like he wouldn't just be able. Dude, to
0: run what are the around. lotto numbers? What are the not, lotto numbers? He's not from
7: the future though. He's
6: from an alternate universe that's different. Okay.
0: There you go. All
6: well, right.
7: that 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 that's another debate.
2: Is this you know, is this timeline a divergence from the prime timeline, or is it something different in itself?
0: It's a divergence. I see a
2: I saw it as a divergence also. Yeah. Divergence in the force.
0: It's all Eric Bannis' fault.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
6: it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So. So Another played.
0: delicious dark velvety voice.
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice! Uh, and so, because of that, when, when Khan lets loose in the dreadnought, mm-hmm. and we see him like kill Admiral Robocop, right, yeah. Yeah. and then you know takes out Kirk, and uh, and you know all, all heck breaks loose, yeah. and he uh, by that time Spock has dealt with these
0: bodies.
7: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and he breaks uh, Pretty Face's leg or whatever. That was pretty brutal. Oh yeah! He just- oh, the
0: sound was just <laughs> yeah. resonated. You could feel it in your own femur. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah.
7: Yeah.
6: that's the other tagline, Star Trek. You feel it in your own femur. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I, I'm here. I'm here all week. Try the roast. Right, food.
6: right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and that was a that that was a great scene. Then when they beam the uh, the the cartridge is over and they're empty, mm-hmm. and all they they're are is the bombs. They're yeah. armed. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: well, I mean, when Khan has that one line, when he sends Kirk, Kirk and company back to the ship, he goes, uh, a captain should go down with his
6: ship. You know? Right. <laughs> right. And that's when...
2: And he beams him back to the, to the brig where they were, you know, right. Khan's brig. Right. Mm-hmm. Right.
6: Um, so uh, any thoughts on that whole scenario? You want to move on? I think we, we should move on. We should move on. Yeah, yeah we should move on. So... Uh, that's when the enterprise begins to fall. Right, they're shot up. It's twisting around. They're hanging from the catwalk. And mm-hmm.
7: even though I felt like I knew it was going to happen from the trailers, at no point was I not excited for the scene. I did not know that it would be Chris
6: Pine inside. They did a lot of role reversal, but to see Chris Pine inside, to see that role switched with Spock in the outside, that was cool. Yeah. Well,
7: I'm just talking about the the crash. Oh, that when the ship crashed in the... Yeah, like, well, it the, never what? crashed into the ocean, but I thought it was going to. Oh, yeah,
6: well, they made you think. We we had this debate in the podcast that, you know, this, the Enterprise is going to crash into the ocean and it never does. Or is the other ship, yeah. It was the other ship that looked like the Enterprise. Oh, I was, you know, I, I thought at one time it might be the
7: Enterprise, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I was just expecting it to be. Yeah. But.
6: but then to see it, like, fall into the clouds and rise, buck out of the clouds. Yeah. Awesome. It was, it was great. I, it was a bit hokey for me to see um, Chris Pine, like Kirk, kicking that thing to kind of get it to line up. Yeah. And, and like you get up doing it it's not moving, not moving, and all of a sudden it moves. It seemed yeah. a bit – I don't know. It seemed a bit trite to me maybe. That, that bothered me too. Did that bother you? Good. I'm not the only one bothered – I'm like, come on. <laughs> you're, you're dying of radiation. You're trying to kick this sucker. It's not moving. Give up already. You know? Yeah.
0: Maybe yeah. the ship pitched into the right position I, that, so that it kind of helped it.
6: I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, but it just wasn't developed enough for me. <laughs> but I, but I'm you know I'm glad he did. And then obviously it's very emotional the hand to hand thing, and and then of course having Spock yell out "Gone," you know, it's just classic. <laughs> it was just, it,
0: that it just, scene right there was. Again, it was an, another, and I'm not a big, giant, Chris pine groupie. I, I just, that moment where he said, I'm afraid, was so, I choked up a little because it was, they were very real. And they were very, and then when Spock couldn't keep his composure either, it was, that was, I, I everything disappeared around. I didn't even having their little exchange, their final exchange, and it was, it was beautiful. Mm. I agree. Yeah.
6: Yeah, it was great to see that that whole role. Ro-
0: and then. And then what? Next.
7: <laughs> okay, and what happened next? Well, well, I, I, I. Isn't there the line in the in the original one? Isn't that the point where Spock says, "You have and, and will always be my friend." That's in, that's in Star Trek yeah. Two: Rhetikon. Yeah. yeah, I kind of like for everything that they were kind of like hitting for note to note. I wanted that line, and. Yeah. And, and they didn't do it And I was like That would have made To me that would have Completed the circle Of them being like uh, I don't like you I don't like you too.' like Oh we're like Best of friends now And I don't want to be Separated from you And then dying like, I, I felt like that would have Just completed Even if they had Spock say it Even though he wasn't dying uh, just
0: Well to, he did in the first movie
1: I think that line Would have been out of place In this movie Because uh, yeah, they agree, had too. Not been friends For that long
2: Yeah that's Really They have Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's only been a year New Kirk and New Spock had not been friends that long, you know? okay. so I, I, I think.
6: So had they been friends long enough for him to come? Well, well, he did rescue him out of the volcano. It's true. And so he did. His life was kind of in debt, and he kind of owed him that. And they and they do develop that kind of allegiance
3: mm-hmm.
6: up to that point. Like he wants to kind of. He's kind of disappointed when Kirk and Spock are separated, you know, earlier on in the movie, and then when they're brought back together, he's kind of. Right, you know, so I think there's a level of respect that even though while uh, Spock is constantly calling Kirk on the carpet, that he kind of has respected, yeah, what he's done.
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of get that feel from when they were separated, and he didn't want to be separated yeah. from I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim.
1: I also think, yeah, I also think that Spock has gained some empathy from his mind meld with Pike earlier in the movie. So I think Spock actually has experienced um, death through Pike, and then he is empathizing with Kirk
6: when it's Kirk's time. Oh, yes, I would agree with that.
0: Very good. Very, very, very well cool. said. Well
6: said. Bravo, bravo. No, I'm, I'm with you. And
0: that's Jenga, people. Right, right, right. <laughs> right,
7: right, right, right. That, that would definitely mean, make sense for his, his yell. Yeah. So I, f- I felt that Kirk's yell in in Wrath of Khan was like Khan's constantly a pain in his butt. Like every time they've interacted. Right. With him, it was it was that kind of frustration added into the death. And this
6: was much more frustration at the
7: death yeah. than it was you're a pain in my butt.
2: Yeah, comfort. I thought Shatner's yelling Khan was a little over the top.
6: Yeah.
0: It was like when right. my dad yelled at me for you know, washing the car with bleach instead of soap.
1: <laughs> 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 um <laughs> Spock's yelling of Khan was reminiscent to me of the Klingon howl that they do when a warrior is getting ready to enter Stovokor.
7: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah, very, very true. <coughs> very true. Yeah. All right, so uh, after this, what happens? He goes down and battles. Well, Khan crashes his ship into could, San Francisco. and yep. And he's
2: running through the streets of San Francisco, and, and Spock... Uh, he's chasing the, him. He's chasing him, yes.
6: Yeah. And then they start fighting, mm-hmm. and a saves the day. Yeah.
7: All that well, needed was some sort of, some person saying, no man can defeat Khan. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you have the Lord of the Rings then, thing come in, where she, she was, <laughs> I'm no man. You well, shall not pass.
2: <laughs> well, just before Sorry. McCoy discovers that um, Khan's, you know... Superman genet- genetic blood can bring back dead tribbles and thugs. Right.
0: Oh my god, the tribble. <laughs> yeah, you <gotta laughs> have the tribble. You didn't see that they were gonna bring whoever died back with his blood with that stupid tribble. I hate those things.
6: <laughs> <laughs> they just multiply all over the place.
0: Although I loved, I did, I'm gonna zip all the way back. When they, when they to get the ship that they used to get on Kronos, it was Mud's ship. Who's the dude who brought out all the tribbles anyway? Did, N- from the old school? Is cons- that right?
2: No, you're confusing. It was Cyrano Jones who brought the tribbles to the original oh, series.
0: That's right. Who is Mud? That's a throwback, though.
2: Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Mud, uh, Mud's Women, and there was that one where Mud and those robots.
0: Yes.
7: Yeah. Wasn't Cyrano Jones a shapeshifter, too? No. I no. thought that was the Deep Space Nine premise. But the guy who brought the triples was actually a shape changer. No. No? Nope. No. Sorry.
0: Right. there was a shape changer on there, but it okay. wasn't Cyrano.
7: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah.
6: yeah, so, and of course, that's when we find out we need Khan alive. Yeah. And Ahuro goes down and saves the day, stuns him.
2: But these two guys just beat the crap out of each other. Oh, one. they do.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah. Uh, it, it was. I don't. I don't. I I don't know how I'm conflicted because I'm not a big fan of that, but it was so good.
7: (laughs) It was good.
0: Good. It was beautifully done, and they've just—they really took their time and care to just look like they were beating the bejesus out of each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How
7: how do we feel about the fact that they basically have a cure all now for disease for death? Yeah. Someone dies, con blood.
6: Yeah. Well, Kirk was. I mean.
0: Brought to you by bear.
6: Yeah. (laughs) Johnson and Johnson. I mean, I
2: I think there was some hint that maybe Kirk was, his his heart stopped, but he was maybe his brain, there was still brain activity. Right. And so they said they they could put him in that cryo tube to make sure, to to, to keep that brain activity going. Mm. Uh, They they took one of the genetic Superman out of there and, Begs the question: Why they didn't have their own kind of stasis chamber? But, um, but they put Kirk Kirk in stasis, so the, the brain, his brain activity. So he's not totally. I mean, so he's he, not all dead. He's not. He's just
6: mostly dead. Partially dead. Yes. I feel like I'm watching
0: Princess Bride. It's Bridal, just a flesh or, wound. I, I
6: feel like I'm watching Princess Bride all over again. Yeah. Yeah. He's not totally dead. Right. This. This. Partially ha- dead.
7: This is how I thought of it later, thinking about it. I thought, you know, in the in the later shows, they have the hypo spray that's like the cure all for everything, and you rarely see them do anything more than just shove a tube into it, like with no label or anything. And I thought maybe this. Is like the beginning of that. They kind of have because McCoy says he synthesizes Mm. it, and I was like, oh, so this could maybe it's not like as cure all as we think. But now they have like a generic medicine thing to just inject in everybody whenever there's a problem. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I could be way off, but I thought that would be cool. So
0: ethically, since at the end they freeze them all, they're all the you know experimental popsicles. Ethically, do they feel like they can just go in there and tap into them and experiment on their blood all the time? Or would they just put them away until a later date when they need a new plot device for a new movie? I,
6: I think Such it's the latter. 30 Uncan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and will we see Con back? What do you think? Um, it's a divergent timeline, right?
2: Yeah, but I don't know how, how long they keep making movies in the, with, with this, you know.
6: Well, they have what? They have one more slated. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, they was a three-picture deal. They signed up for a trilogy, and I'm not sure if Abrams is going to direct the, the third one. I wonder if Star Wars is going to keep him out of it or not. But um, so, yeah, I don't know how long they're going to keep making movies there. So I, I would pro, just 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 by virtue of the fact that I'm not sure they're going to keep making the, these the Star Trek movies in this this series. I don't think we'll see him back. Yeah,
6: I'd say no. Yeah. Is that, is that where you guys are at, Jim? Jim?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be back. I no. think they put him away now. Yeah. Time to move on. Mm-hmm. To move if on. they've
0: learned anything, if they've paid attention to anything at all, you just don't bring a baddie back.
6: Right, right.
0: There's no point. He's-
6: we talked about some of the things that we liked. What were some of the things that really bugged you about this Star Trek movie?
0: What I have noticed through this entire conversation is that none of you mentioned Sally McBoobs out when she's with <laughs> Alice Eve. When she gets naked in the, in the space shuttle.
7: Go
3: ahead, Jim. None
0: of you. None of you.
7: I call her Miss Pretty Face. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, like, please. The, if, you, if you
6: scroll down the show notes, I've actually copied what Jim had to say on his blog about this. Jim, why don't you go talk about this a little bit?
0: <laughs> okay,
1: um, I I did not see a reason at all in the movie for Carol Marcus, other than eye candy. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that's why she was included. Uh, she didn 't do anything to advance the plot at all. I think the scene was gratuitous, totally unnecessary and totally untrack. Mm-hmm.
7: i i agree i can't i can 't deny that I, When I would see it in the in the trailers, I was like, oh, ah, yeah,
6: why? the only thing that you might be able to argue is that this is, that this is developing uh, the fact that Kurt likes every woman that walks down the hall type of scenario, but it 's kind of loose. But I think that was another was, co- that was another complaint you had, Jim. Um,
0: there was no need. There was no need, and there was even yeah, no, an article uh, which I emailed to all of you about how even one of the writers said yeah, it was love. gratuitous. Yeah, little it so- Yeah, there was there was a way that they could have shot that where you could get the hint, where you could see him. It would be focused on Jim, and he would just kind of turn his head, and you could hear her off screen going, "Excuse me," and then he would. It could have been done so with a little bit more class. But no, they had to get Sally McPretty boobs in almost no underpants, you know, showing off her buff body, which it's gorgeous. If I dated chicks, hello, not a problem with that. But it just, it wasn't, it's like when there's too much romance in a sci-fi movie, when there's too much, you know, blatant sexuality, it just irks the crap out of me. I don't want that squishiness. I don't want... Sally McBoobs out in my sci-fi. They did, this,
7: they did the same thing It's not chocolate and
0: peanut butter. Not everything goes together.
7: It
1: just doesn't belong.
0: Right.
7: Yeah. Well, they, they did the same thing with O'Hara in yeah, the first movie. It does though. not belong in
0: Yeah. Story.
7: Yeah, and I agree. They did the same thing in the first movie. She took her shirt off. Right. You know, basically.
6: She took
0: everything thing. off. Almost everything.
7: Yeah.
0: And then Kirk in bed again, but this time with two girls. Yeah. Right. Two kitty cat girls.
2: Yeah, I didn't care for that. I didn't you know. I, I thought that was.
1: Jim, yeah, yes, we don't that. That's my number two. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we know he's a little therio, but I thought having him with two two chicks was just was just a little over the top.
3: Yeah,
1: okay. Jim,
0: what you wrote was really astute. I liked what you said. I think you should share it with everybody.
1: Okay. Yeah, and and I was I was just getting to that when I watched the original series. Yeah, Kirk has gotten a lot of, oh yeah, he's slept, he sleeps with everything that he sees and all this stuff, and that's not true. If you watch the original series, if you know the original series, you know that when Kirk uh, does uh, get it on with somebody, it's usually part of saving the ship or saving the crew or keeping the ship safe or something like that, It, it... and otherwise, he behaves extremely professionally. I think William Shatner portrayed a portrayed a, a professional Starfleet officer, um, and he used his sexuality as a weapon. Here, but,
7: here. but again, this is a, this is the. The younger, uneducated, un—we un- are talking about spa, uh, a, a Kirk that is
6: not Eric Bennis.
0: Yeah.
7: yeah, it's all Eric. Yeah. It is. all for Eric killing Banner. his father. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that, and that's like, the way—that's the way that I viewed it. I mean, it's not—it's not the Kirk, Kirk we know. So he's a—he's a more juvenile Kirk. Is, is what I'm saying. So. Yeah, that would be your
6: excuse he's for it.
0: Fraternity Kirk, <laughs> kind of like Malibu boy Kirk. Fraternity Kirk.
7: <laughs> I mean, if I was yeah. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. right,
1: right. He uh, would have to. I mean, maybe maybe I'm too much of a purist, but I I just really really think that there's no place in Star Trek for it.
6: I and I hear you, and I hear that, and I and I would tend to agree with that. Like it doesn't add anything to the story to have it in there. So.
2: The only thing I'd say is adding Carol Marcus to this, if she's going to be in the next film, if if it's just trying to play on the the whole Star Trek mythos is that he ends up with her and they have a child together, you know that just to be true to star trek if you just take away all you know the scene where she's in her underpants or you know and, and the fact that maybe she was not the best written character in this movie the Mm-mm. the fact that this is a woman kirk has a past with in, in the prime universe maybe they're going to ha- pursue that and-
6: see i think she needed to be here uh because you because di- when when admiral robocop comes in the con and sees his daughter on the other ship this is a big deal
5: yeah yeah. I mean,
6: you needed that tension there. She does add something being there even though her role is quite underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. And, it's
0: uh, all part of that theme, that's, the family theme that's in this, that's in this movie.
6: Right, right.
0: It's all, I mean, this you, family just splattered all over this. Sorry. If
1: Carol Marcus comes back in number three and she is pregnant, then it is totally outside of Star Trek that Kirk would have a relationship with a member of his crew. That would not happen, and that's the end of it for me. I, think, I, I won't. I won't
6: even go see it. Well, what, ha, what? What if she is no longer a member of the Enterprise? Okay, then. Um, In the military,
0: don't you have to be there? Well, no. Never mind. My thought was incomplete and silly.
2: Yeah. Well, as far as fraternization with officers, you know, fellow officers on a ship, I think that there there are. There are rules in place about that.
0: Uh, look
7: at look at Star Trek The Next Generation. I mean, they were all over Deanna.
0: Uh, well, Riker was a giant hormone.
7: Well, <laughs> even, what about Worf? Worf and Deanna got together. And that's post when she joined Starfleet.
0: Yeah, right. but Worf did it in a graceful way. Riker was just looking to get laid.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to
0: say it bluntly. I'm going right. to say it bluntly.
1: Right, right. The ships in Next Generation were built for families, also.
7: Ah, uh, true.
1: Very true.
6: Touche, touche. So, what else? What else about this movie uh, bugged you? Did you not like?
2: I already said my, my thoughts about Khan. Con. Um, con,
7: yeah. Um,
6: got
7: Dave, how about you? Anything from your end? I, I would say, other things, uh, only things that we haven't really covered uh, yet that probably annoyed me would. Would be in this goes for both of them, but more so even this one. Is Spock is just an emotional time bomb. <laughs> like all, he's just like a whiny baby all the time, and like he just emotion. Is it and the emotion.
0: time of the? Is it almost Ponfar time for him or something? Yeah, I know. Anyway, <laughs> and as a girl, I can make that joke.
7: Right, 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 right. It's just that he's just like
0: every moment.
7: He's just like uh, struggling to control his emotions, and that's not Spock to me. I mean, I love it. Because I really like these movies, and I, I really like um, What's-His-Face as, as Spock. But at the same time, it's so different that it, it bugs me, because my heroes in Star Trek growing up were Spock, Data, and then Odo. So for some reason, I was always attracted to the, like, non-emotional characters and then the, like, screwed-up outfits. because you're a male, right? Yeah, I guess no, so. No, no. Yeah, because I'm a male. I don't have emotions. <laughs> right, right.
0: But <laughs> see... Those three characters are some of my favorites because they're the ones who, they they were on their own little trek. They were constantly trying to achieve something yeah. that they felt was unachievable. So they were constantly in growth and, and, and when, learning and understanding.
7: And when they expressed that that relatable emotion or or act, it was so much heavier because you knew that that wasn't you know what they were. And now mm-hmm. it's just like every two minutes, Spock is like. I don't express my emotions. I'm so sad. Kiss me. Hold me. aura
0: yeah. I'm going to make out with you in the middle of engineering. Yeah.
7: I don't care about what everyone else sees. Mm-hmm.
1: You've almost paraphrased word for word what I said. Well,
6: and they have that, they have that whole lover spat thing that they have going on. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: That, Hilarious. It, Kirk says, Hilarious. Uh, are we
2: really going to do this here? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then she
3: drags him in.
7: That's so me. great.
6: Yeah. He's right in the middle of it.
0: But she's right.
6: Oh yeah, absolutely right.
0: It was it was cute. It was it was a it was very to me. It was kind of Joss whedon <laughs> that that kind of tête-à-tête while they're in the middle of danger, just kind of pausing to have a, a a lovers' spat.
7: Yeah, I guess we're really experiencing. I mean, we're getting an insight of what it would be like to for a Vulcan and a human to be in a relationship. So,
6: you what guys
0: are it? fighting. What's what's that like? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right,
7: right. <laughs> yeah. Right.
6: So let's talk about a uh, little bit about characterization here. And uh, so, uh, Jim, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, camaraderie of the characters. Uh, what what did you uh, mean by that? Explain a little bit about what was bugging you.
1: Okay. Well, in uh In the original series, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, the original series, all through the movies, there was... These three guys were joined at the hip, more or less. You had Kirk in the middle, you had Spock on the logical side, you had McCoy uh, guiding the emotional side, and those three together could not be separated. I am not getting that from... Uh, Into darkness at all I just don't feel like the chemistry Between Kirk, Spock, and McCoy is there I don't even feel like There's chemistry between Really any two characters in there With the exception of Uhura and Spock And It 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 just Feels like something's missing
6: Miles, how do you feel about that? I would
2: agree partially Definitely not between the big three that's not. That's not really there yet. I do, however, thought that the McCoy and Kirk's relationship. You know, I thought. I thought we. I thought we saw that throughout this film. Um, I mean, when we first, first seen them being chased by the natives, and and, and throughout the film, um, I thought the Kirk McCoy dynamic was there. So, um,
1: but when Spock came in. Uh, McCoy just got kind of set off to the side. Well,
2: and I, and I agree with you there. It, it just, it, you know, the, the three to, the three of them in this movie, as far as that dynamic, is really not there. I agree with you. It's the dynamic between, but what I was saying was just that for Kirk and McCoy, their their thing was still going pretty good, but the three of them were not gelling together mm-hmm. when, when it was just the three of them. So, yeah, I, I I agree with you 100% on that one Jim.
1: Uh and do you Go ahead. Miles also feel like that Spock is constantly gainsaying Kirk.
2: Oh yeah, there's de- yeah, uh he's he's constantly disagreeing with Kirk's uh decisions.
1: And it's, it just seems like uh you know Kirk is the commanding officer, Spock's opinion is different, he can offer his uh offer his opinion but when a decision is made that's it. Okay, the decision's made. It's time, whether the plan is good or not, you have to follow through. You have to respect the chain of command. And I just don't feel like Spock
6: does. Well, you know, let me say this about the uh, the reboot and, uh, and then, then this movie. is I view Spock less as, as uh, being like an officer in a chain of command and more like Jiminy Cricket. Uh, as being the moral conscious of Kirk, or trying to get him to do the right thing, and I know I'm pulling another Disney reference here with the pixie dust and all that, but heck, um, I you know I, I do feel like he's kind of functioning in that way, and has functioned in the in the latest movies. That's the way they kind of presented him, and so he doesn't have that same sort of respect for Kirk, and maybe that's again the way Kirk was kind of promoted, and the lack of education and training that Kirk has that causes Spock to kind of have this. Kind of cavalier respect for Kirk, or lack thereof,
7: and isn't that one of the main uh, issues behind this this film? I mean, the whole uh, Spock undermining Kirk—that's like an underlining theme. Oh yeah, because he's the one that gets him in trouble, right? Initially, cost him his command. Yeah, yeah.
6: And where are you at with all this?
0: I can see a lot of differences, but I'm I'm I've accepted the fact that this is this is going to be different and there's the stuff I remember and I really like and I can wear it like a comfortable coat and but times have changed and I don't see that camaraderie uh, as well but my rationale is because they it's only been a, a year or two they were I mean Bones and Kirk were in school together so they have, their little, they have their, their little secret language. But the time for all three of them to be together and have the same dynamic that we know, that we're used to, it's going to take a little time. So f- I, I've, I've taken that coat off and I put on a new jacket expecting a whole new you know, opportunity to be wowed.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we've only got one more movie to do it with, though. Right.
0: Well, it, oh, are they only doing three?
6: Well, so we if- as far as the, the cast is signed on, it's only, they're only signed on for yeah. a three-picture deal, so unless they all say, yeah, we'll stick around for another three movies, we won't see that same development, probably.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: That'd be my guess. I, I, I think J.J.
1: needs to step, step aside, uh, go on and go do Star Wars, and turn the director's chair over to someone who knows Star Trek a little better. Mm. That's my feeling. I mean, I'm not saying J.J. is a bad director. I mean, I thought Fringe was incredible. Uh, Lost was really, really popular. I just don't think J.J. has a grip on Star Trek. Now, I thought he did after the 2009 movie. I said, gee, everything's going to be just fine. Now, after this movie, I don't know. But I'm going
6: to miss the lens flare. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me add Troy. See what three calls does to this.
0: We have like six on the line when we do Guild Wars.
6: Nice. Are you using Skype for that? Yeah. Awesome.
0: We tried Google Meetups, but it didn't work. Troy? Okay, Crash.
6: Hey, Mr. Scott. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? Oh, fine, fine. You're on with a whole crap load of people tonight. So <laughs> well, we're here with uh, Jim, M, Miles, and Dave are all on the podcast that you are on right now. And, and we're bringing you on to share the list that you shared on Facebook, which is how you kind of got roped into doing this. And you said, Star Trek movies, first to worst. And um, you kind of put it out there as being your... You're, you're 12 in the order that you saw them, and I, I wanted to bring you on to kind of share that list and maybe justify uh, how you arrived at this list.
4: Yeah, so I'll preface it by saying that um, you know, I'm more of the TNG era, you know. so I started with, with my trek, if you will, from the TNG era forward. So this is uh, you know a list that you know, hopefully will not sever me from the Great Link, much like Odo was in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> but... Um, uh, you know, I looked at it from a standpoint of Star Trek movies, the keyword being movie, and if these episodes themselves would actually you know, be movie-based versus TV-based, right? Because most of Trek you know, is taught from that story perspective that you can do over 24 episodes, over seven seasons, and you can really get deep with these characters. But how do you tell an entertaining movie and still kind of stick with that concept, of Trek in the background and so I obviously put Wrath of Khan as number one you know I mean it's just the quintessential Trek if anything you know you could have ended Trek at that point because it's kind of that culmination of the Kirk and Spock kind of friendship if you will over their five-year mission so I mean I think I think it just kind of stands alone as like number one it's like not touchable I put into darkness at number two and the only reason I put into darkness at number two is because I thought You know, J.J. not being a Star Trek fan, and he's openly admitted that. The one thing that his writing crew is able to do, though, is bring out such good quality in the story and the character development, which we've clearly seen on some of Damon's other work and J.J.'s other work. You know, so from a movie perspective, I think Into Darkness was just hands-down, entertaining from soup to nuts. You know, um, certain people have seen it three times already. I mean, and that, I think that just speaks volumes to see it three times in, in two weeks um, to the quality of the
6: movie. <laughs> you know, He's talking to you, Jim and, and Emma. <laughs> okay.
0: I saw it three times in a span of three days.
6: <laughs> awesome. Just awesome.
4: <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, and it's so good that, you know, I think what they did was they brought Trek to people that aren't gees. You know, I even got my wife to sit down and watch uh, the 2009 reboot um, at home the other night in anticipation that we're going to get her to the IMAX 3D experience with our friend so we could see it a second time but then bring her along as well. Because she's had uh, a number of her girlfriends actually say, you know, I don't, I'm don't, i not a Trekkie, I don't like Trek, but this was actually a really, really good movie. You know, so I think that's why I, I put it at number two. Um, I put First Contact as number three because you can't beat, you know, seeing the first warp flight. I mean, that's just... Cool in of itself, and to be part of that experience, and it's got the Borg. So I mean, most you know, quintessential enemy next to Khan. So how can you how can you do beat that? Um, I threw the 2009 reboot in at number four, um, just because I think that you know we've it, for JJ not being into track and Damon writing the story again. You know, we saw a lot of this alternate universe a lot in um, Deep Space Nine, and we saw it kind of surface at the end of Enterprise. So why not have this alternate universe as kind of a backdrop concept in order to get Trek into the next century, you know, and or next half century, if you will, because we're approaching the 50th anniversary here in a couple of years. You know, it'd be great to see another 50 years of Star Trek, you know, from this point forward. So that's why uh, Reboot came in at number four. I'm a fan of Generations at number five only because I grew up TNG, not Original Series. And I think that seeing this show that we've had on the air, you know, I think Generations came on just after um, the show went off the air as it was about to go off the air, um, because it was 1994 when Generations came out. Um, You know, for me, it was like seeing that champagne bottle go across and christen the Enterprise um, B yeah you know, cuz we've seen A, we've seen the original, we've seen D, we saw C in uh, Next Generation, you know, we even saw futuristic D. So it was it was nice to see the Enterprise B kind of fill out the model numbers and I thought that was a really good nod, you know, as part of that movie goes to bring all the ships into line, you know, but then, you know, just having the concept of captain to captain, especially when you're on the Enterprise, you know, the most, you know, recognizable ship in the fleet having that torch pass from one captain to the next captain, I thought really made a nice touch, even though it was a little quirky how it ended, you know, Mm. with Kirk dying in the future, you know, the Nexus could be considered a plot hole. But I think what the movie does is really tries to bridge the gap between the old and the new without alienating the Trekkies, where 2009 bridged the Trekkies and the non-Trekkies. So I thought that was kind of an interesting twist there. I put Undiscovered Country at six because for the most part, for me... I love the story. It's a great sequence of events and a great character whodunit kind of murder mystery, if you will. But a murder mystery is great on CBS for 44 minutes, you know, to the older crowd a little bit. So I think that it played more as a TV show than it did as a movie. And so that's why it bumped all the way down to number six. If we were ranking this based on story content and story quality, you know, Undiscovered Country would be a little bit higher because it's ranking movies first to worst. Undiscovered Country came in at six. Um... I put Voyage Home at 7 because I think it was totally made to mass audience and get Trek's appeal, which, you know, kind of counterpoints my argument for First into dark, uh, Into Darkness um, and the reboot. But, you know, it just wasn't a lot of Trek in there. I mean, slingshotting around the sun in a beaten-up bird of prey, you know, just would torch the bird of prey before they ever got the time travel if the time travel ever worked. Um, so some of that just was a little hokey and a little unTrek. And I think that they tried to do what they could to kind of revive themselves from Search for Spock since that was just, you know, horrific to say the least. Um, You know, I put Nemesis at eight mostly because, again, I'm a TNG generation person. So I um, I really, really enjoyed the story with Data in that movie because you started out with Data trying to whistle and encounter a far point and then have him do this human emotion of love To say, I'm going to jump across this gap, save my captain, and still leave my legacy and my pseudo-brother, I think was a quintessential ending to Data's story. And I thought that's why Nemesis was still um, high on my radar. For me, it had an emotional impact, even though the rest of the story was quite flawed. Um, Motion picture gets number nine in my spot because I, to this day, say that V'ger is the creation of the Borg even though they don't clearly say it, share it, whatever, I think that because it was so formidable at the point in time it was a motion picture, I still say the Borg civilization comes out of V'ger. Search for Spock goes to number 10. Um, You know, that movie was just made because they really messed up killing Spock, so they had to bring Spock back somehow. Um, And then Final Frontier is at number 11 because I can't even rewatch it. It's just so horrible. Um, And then I put Insurrection at 12, Again, because it's more of a TV show feel than a movie feel. But more importantly, it assumes that you're buying into this principle of they're on this planet to relocate these people to mine a mineral for the Hadar War that nobody's going to know about unless you're watching Deep Space Nine. So from a movie perspective, it doesn't grab the moviegoer and give them the opinion that they need to have. So that's my 12.
6: That's your 12. So, uh, guys, what do you think of – so understanding that he comes from the TNG background and, um, and so his rationale for ordering it these ways, how, what do you think about this list? Miles
2: uh I enjoyed hearing it, and with all respect to troy, my list will probably be a bit different
6: okay and be- how would how would you uh what were some of the what would be some of the changes you would make some of the, the
2: original that? series
6: movies would, would be higher would be higher yeah. well and understandably mm-hmm. if he's coming from a generation's next generation background and and I started with with the
2: original series so yeah. uh, troy i'd be curious have you watched all the
4: episodes of original series? My intent is to get to them, but, of course, so much new stuff keeps coming out with Abrams, and, of course, now I'm an Abrams junkie. Um, you know, Not to say that I'm an Abrams fanboy like some of our other friends. We won't name Wayne Henderson at all.
6: No, not uh, at all, all. Lost fringe. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but, uh, you know, you know I, 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 my intent is to go back and watch them, and I really want to go back and listen to um, the podcast that... Um, Rod Roddenberry is doing with, um, Ken, Ken Ray of Mac OS Ken and go back and kind of watch those episodes with their podcasts at the same time. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that would really kind of bring forward kind of what Gene was thinking, you know, back in the day. Cause I think Gene was just a visionary beyond his time, whether he thought all this crap up or if he had people writing it for him, I mean, just the things he could come up with and the things that we're using today. I mean, I'm using my iPhone on Skype right now to have a communicator conversation with people that aren't anywhere near my realm of the planet. I thought it is just pretty fascinating. Um, Yeah, so my intent is to go back and watch the original series. I may even suffer the cartoon, um, just to make sure I get my full boat of Trek in. And I've seen episodes here and there, but not a fully immersed experience like DS9 was for me. Because to me, you know, DS9, I thought, was probably the quintessential Roddenberry. I mean, it had everything from political stuff to religious stuff to aliens working with other aliens and i thought really you know deep space nine was probably the closest to what roddenberry was trying to tell story-wise in that you know that he wasn't able to probably tell in the three short seasons he had with the original series mm. so it'll be interesting to see
6: and as far as as far as into darkness fitting in this list the way he has that place maybe more importantly for our podcast here tonight how do you feel uh, as far as where he has a place number two that's
2: very high praise uh, i don't I I haven't thought out deeply where where I would put all the movies, where I'd rate them, but uh, I I don't... So...
6: uh, Into Darkness. Does Into Darkness work its way up that high for you guys?
7: How about you, Dave? Um, Into Darkness would probably be, like, four. So it'd be up there. It'd be in the upper part of the list. Both of the the reboots would be in
6: my top five. In the top five? Ooh. How about for you, Em? Top five for you? Mm -hmm.
0: So... The motion picture I have the same I, I would go from an I watch them and remember them in an, in kind of an emotional state because I remember I remember how I felt the first time I saw the first Superman when it came out. And when Star Wars came out, and it was the same feeling when Star Trek, the motion picture came out. It was this new world, this new, and for when it came out, to me, it told the neatest story, and it tied back to the Voyager that we sent out. And for me, motion picture will always be first, because it was my first foray into Star Trek that I really paid attention to and understood, and then Star Trek was rerunning at the time on like local channels, so I watched it then. I was really deep into Star Trek TNG. Um, I even worked at Paramount's Kings Dominion a couple of summers and doing uh, makeup and costumes for the Star Trek guys. I'm which
3: was
0: <laughs> so, Not really. They smelled. It was awful, <laughs> but it was cool. So it was. I was very ingrained. Um, like Troy in TNG, and then everything came out. So I, I almost like it chronologically. For me, the um, the one where they went looking for God and the one with the whales will always be at the bottom because I just I felt like they oh. were just trying too hard. So oh, <laughs> my list is close, okay. except for those three.
6: Yeah, yeah. How about Jim? And how about for you? Would, would the would the reboots make your top five?
1: Um. Uh, yeah, two thousand nine did. Two thousand nine. I put. Yes, that that was my number four. However, uh, Into Darkness is my number seven.
6: Okay, so down a little bit further, and why why for you did Into Darkness not make your top five? What, and uh, are are just going to get into some of the criticisms we're going to talk about in a little bit?
1: Uh. Yeah. It. Uh, I think I'll I'll uh, save that. Until we get into our criticism,
6: all right, very good, very good, well, Troy, thank you so much for joining us tonight to share your list and uh it gives us some food for thought and discussion here.
0: It was awesome that yeah. just i i 'm rethinking how I think about the movies now, so thank you yeah, yeah, and I, and I may come up
4: with a whole completely different list if I look at it from storyline content because. There's definitely plot holes in Into Darkness that are would probably put it down like seven or eight, like Jim said. Yeah,
2: I think when you watch well, the original series, maybe, and 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 see how the original series, um, you know, influenced the original series movies, you, maybe your opinion might change on those a little yeah, more. Maybe,
0: maybe I would like to know after. I'd like to see how the list would shift after you watch um, original. Series And you got to watch the cartoons. You just got to because yeah. they're there and they're they're just they're awesome and sometimes awful, but awesome.
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again, Troy, for jumping in here for a little bit. And we're going to continue recording. You bet. Thanks, guys. Have yeah. a great night. Yeah. Bye. So bye.
0: That was fantastic.
6: Yeah, it was great to have him on to share his list here a little bit. Well, um, let's move into some listener feedback here, if that's OK with you. And uh, we had a listener, Mary, who we've had on the show, it was a long time, but Mary, we call her the DVD geeks televixen yep. from the show DVD geeks, called in and left her thoughts on the, uh, the Star Trek movie. And you know what, and she, uh, a person of authority, she used to be the spokesperson for Creation Entertainment in Las Vegas, yeah, right. doing a lot of their interviews there. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that makes her an authority or not, but she at least has an opinion of it. So let's hear what she has to say about The Star Trek movie.
9: Mary, the DVD geeks, televixen, and host of Glue Guns and Phasers checking in to weigh in on Star Trek Into Darkness. Let me start off by saying I absolutely love the 2009 film. While it had some flaws fans could nitpick, I still felt really passionate about it. Passionate enough to defend it on a panel at Star Trek Las Vegas, for that matter, because it had heart. There was something about it that moved me and made me excited for Star Trek again. Not that my feelings towards the franchise had waned, but it definitely set them into warp drive. Into Darkness had much speculation and debate surrounding its release. I went in with the same enthusiasm, trying to avoid spoilers, and well, I left before the lights even came up. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot I liked. There are powerful character moments, both showcasing vulnerability and humor. Seeing Pine and Quinto grow leaps and bounds into their roles. Seeing Kirk lose his ship and later admitting to not knowing what he was doing. Those were all great moments. I loved watching Uhura get more developed and have more to do here. I liked the attempt to discuss issues the original series had tackled with relevance to the real world around us. It just went sour for me when I felt like I was just seeing recycled material in so many ways. With four years and three minds working on the script, I thought to myself, they couldn't come up with something more original than this? For all that money? Really? Cumberbatch did his best and was a force to be reckoned with. His steely presence and voice command your attention in every scene. Acting was clearly not the problem with this movie. It's the frenetic pacing and formulaic design that seemed to be the biggest weakness. That and the fact that the film gets real sloppy three-quarters of the way through. I'm not a fan of video games, and this felt like one. Everyone is running around all over the place. Each action seems perfectly timed a mere 10 minutes apart as if the audience wouldn't have an attention span for much more dialogue than that. The dramatic moments seem rushed and force-fed to make you feel something that only history could make one feel. They repeat many of their beats from the first movie, and then the female characters I had hoped would bring something new to the J.J. verse end up being plot devices and eye candy. Yes, I'm talking about Alice Eve and her underwear. That scene served absolutely no purpose, and uh, no, I'm not going to get over it. Yes, I realize Kirk was shirtless in both movies, but in both movies, those scenes actually revealed something about his character. Carol Marcus, a scientist, just left her dignity and clothes behind in a shuttlecraft. Had the scene actually had context, I'd be all for it. She's got an amazing body, but let's show some power in her sexuality and not just cater to the lowest common denominator, a la Michael Bay. Into Darkness misses the mark for me, primarily because I didn't feel emotionally moved by it. Perhaps it was all the obvious retreading. Perhaps it was the breakneck pacing, pandering to fan wank to the point where it actually backfired on them. I mean, I love Nimoy just as much as the next fan. But his scene was absolutely pointless, pointless and undermines the whole idea that his presence was supposed to be a secret. There are many problems with logic and science in this movie, and it totally goes against ideas they already set up in the first J.J. film. But alas, what's the point of logic when they're purely going for a visceral rush?
6: Well, Mary, thank you for calling in and giving us your thoughts on Star Trek. Let's start with you. Uh, Respond here. What do you think about what Mary's saying here?
0: Well, it's the first time I've heard it, and I would love to digest it a little more. Um, I agree with her. There were moments that, that it, it, some of it was just trivial, the timing, the 10 minute pacing. I, I didn't, it didn't grasp until she said it, but it's, it's, there's so many things that do bug me about it, but then I have to reel myself back in and remind myself it's a movie. It's supposed to be silly. Not silly, but it's just, it's supposed to play with your brain a little, but I think they kind of played a little too much for a lot of folks and and i'm curious i'm curious as far as the people that really have a problem with it the how and on a scale, where they are on the star trek fandom
6: right yeah, for me, you know she was talking about some of the recycled parts uh mm-hmm. for me, they were like that was what made this movie delicious for me, you know, seeing some of the the twists on it and and it didn't feel like it was a, it wasn't like a totally recycled storyline from the Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was enough different, but there were these things that made you say, oh, this is great. You know, it kind of was a throwback and it kind of made your heart warm, at least for me it did. Mm-hmm. But, Jim, what did you think about what Mary is saying? I agree with,
1: with uh, many of the things. We've talked about it already. I agree with much of what she said, but um I'm not sure exactly what she means by recycled if she means the the wrath of Khan similarities and things like that. That that appealed to me as it did with you Scott. I I thought, you know, I didn't have a problem with that. Right. But, you know, right. she she talked extensively about Alice Eve I covered that.
6: Right. Uh
1: yeah, there's much I agree with.
6: Yeah. Miles, how about you? Well, whether you
2: agree with Mary or not, she's whatever she says she always says it well
6: oh yeah mm-hmm.
2: um oh, well spoken yes. yeah she's she's a very well spoken woman um yeah i a lot of things i did agree with her about um as far as i almost wish they didn't go uh, use Khan in this movie they would have done something totally different too I thought it may have been too. Soon. So you're looking for something totally fresh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and this was this was talked about early on. About what do you want to see in the second, in the next film? Well, it's a little too early for Khan yet, and and that's what they did. Um, now, I did enjoy this movie. Don't get me wrong; I I, I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, it's just as a Star Trek fan, I, I kind of wish they would have put Khan on the back burner and, and 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 do something else. And after four years. You know, I think they, they they could have, but right. So right.
7: How about if you, you hear, Mike? Well, one, I like that she hit on Leonard Nimoy returning, destroying his secret thing. Since all of you shut me down on that, <laughs> <laughs> you feel so, vindicated. Yeah, right. I feel a little vindicated about that. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I I agree about some things. I I did like the throwback, like you, Scott. Um, I, I and I agree with Miles. When they were talking about, should Khan be next, I was like, it's too soon, maybe third movie. Like, you know, let's, they would want to bring in a fresh idea. But for me, it really, really worked. Because it was so different than just a straight Wrath of Khan right. remake.
6: Mm. Um, yeah, I didn't feel like they were... Re- I mean, they were because it's an alternate timeline... You're gonna encounter characters that are that you had in the other universe, right? And it's just
7: and there's gonna be some similarities, but it's not like they're taking the same story. Yeah. And 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 so this is this is something that I constantly remind myself about these movies, especially when I was trying to sell the two thousand nine movies to people who aren't necessarily Trek fans, and that this is Star Trek the next next generation. It's 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 the reboot for people who aren't Star Trek fans, to get them to see the movie, and that what really hit me is that it was effectively getting there is when I saw a totally you know unrelated movie with someone who who kind of scoffs at the idea of, of sci-fi. The trailer came on. They turned to me and said, "If you want to go see that, I'll go see that with you." And I was like. Okay, they're effectively capturing an audience that would never go see this. Otherwise, if it just came on the screen and said Star Trek, or if it was the old movies or whatever, it has to be a fine line between turning away avid Trek fans right. and reeling in new ones. And I and I think by rebooting the series, they've taken that they're siding with the new fans rather right. than the old one. And that's right. I mean, that's 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 got to. I mean, it's hard for us. And I mean, there's all different spectrums of where you feel, uh, where you lay on that. But that's really what they're doing is they're catering to the new people who aren't us. We just have to enjoy it. Yeah,
0: it's a dangerous road to hoe. Yeah,
7: yeah. absolutely.
6: It
0: really is. I like the, far, I like the
7: farming I, analogy.
6: Go for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, in, I think they've done okay. I can. I'm kind of in the medium range of Star Trek fan, and. I, I enjoyed it. I have my issues with it, but I enjoyed it. And my nephew, who is my nephews, my twin nephews who are eight, my brother has introduced them to Star Trek with the original. They're going through Star Trek TNG, and they're get. They're, he's showing them as they were broadcast in order. And these movies are too much for them right now. We both decided that, but they are excited to see. They were asking about, you know, what it, is it different? Is it the and I said, Well, it's different. Did my brother explain to them what a reboot was and how things can ch- You can all be the same characters, but things can change. And they were, <laughs> Alex was really cute about it. He's like, Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like a do over. Well, yes, it is a do over, <laughs> my astute eight year old. But I was at their house last weekend, and there are pictures that he's drawn on the back of his test papers, and they're all Star Trek. There's one that's just. The, the captains and Wesley Crusher um which i tweeted to Will Wheaton and Will Wheaton asked for a copy
3: so <laughs> that's awesome
0: eight years old i know that okay he's getting it he likes all of it kind of combined here's the new generation of star trek fan it's not going to be tng ds9 voyager it's he loves all of them equally and i think that's that's what this audience is it's, right they have all this huge catalog to enjoy, and they enjoy it all at once instead of over time the way we have.
6: And that's that's true, too. Well, Colin from Trek News and Views also called in to give us his thoughts. And I understand, Jim, you were listening to a podcast where you heard Colin talking about it? Yes, this morning. Yeah, so uh, we're going to listen to the comments that he called in and shared here, and uh, we get it all with a British
5: accent, which is even mm. better, so... Let's move into Star Trek into Darkness. What to say about this? First of all, um, there's some brilliant points in it. As a standalone movie, if I hadn't watched the other Star Trek films, I would think this was brilliant. The problem I have with it is it's in some cases it's a blatant ripoff of the Rafikan. It's not it's not a homage at all. It's it's not like you know let's like do the fans of think it's a blatant puff. Um Benedict Cumberbatch is absolutely phenomenal. Brilliant actor. All the actors in this were brilliant, that was there was really on the right game. Um, you know, as um, as Khan, Benedict Cumberbatch was, was great, although for someone who's playing the um, Khan Union thing I thought it was a bit on the white side. But, you know, I maybe he stayed at the sun. You never know. Um, it's just the, the bit at the end that really, really pulled me out of the film because, basically, Scotty said exactly the same words that he said at the end of Rafa Khan. Um, and all they did was roll reverse. verse, um, Spock and Kirk. So Spock said Kirk's lines and Kirk did the react of it. And they turned it on its head. Uh, the way they saved him was probably not as bad as being regenerated by the Genesis wave but you know when you're saved by a transfusion from Khan because a Tribble lived yeah that's um, it's different it's different I owe my life to a Tribble It's not many people can say though in a roundabout way but uh, the special effects were phenomenal yes the lens flare is there it's not as bad but it's there and at some times it it was blatantly apparent so there is that to it Um, down points were some of the scenes just didn't make sense like you know when they park the Enterprise in the ocean so the natives wouldn't see it what was wrong with staying in orbit the natives wouldn't have seen it in orbit so why do you need to park in the sea didn't get that at all Um, Spock uh, berates Kirk for breaking the prime directive after he breaks the prime directive to put a volcano out and there's not many people can say they put a volcano out so that's that's kind of uh, strange, but the powerful stories in this uh, Kirk's relationship to uh, to Pike, who basically is a father figure to him, that's really really powerful. Spock trying to contemplate what, it, what death means because of the death of his family and the death of his mother uh, and his planets. A nice cameo appearance by Leonard Nimoy. That was that was quite cool. Um, and the vengeance is quite possibly the. Big ass ship you're ever gonna see in Star Trek. This thing was massive. Um, although I did like laugh because they painted it black because it's like you know this super secret ship, and um, because obviously painted the ship black in, in the vastness of space makes all the difference. So,
6: all right. So, Colin, thank you for calling in. And I, my favorite part is I love the birds in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome.
0: Well, it- Did you hear the zipper?
6: I did. I'm like, whoa.
0: (laughs) Hey, it's getting comfortable, (laughs) yo.
6: Right, right. (laughs) You know, here at the diner, you know, we cater to all sorts. It's
0: (laughs) casual. It's not tie and suit.
6: That's right. That's right. right, So uh, what do you think about what Colin's saying here? Is this kind of lining up with what you heard, Jim, when you were listening to the podcast this morning?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Just about word for word. Uh, Colin was very consistent. Um and there were some things that that I did agree with. Why did the enterprise need to be underwater? I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool myself.
6: Oh I did too, but, but he's right.
1: But you know, I I um I didn't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with lens lens flare at all. I thought it was a it was a good story. I I didn't feel like it was a ripoff of Wrath of Khan. I didn't think it was an homage. I think it was just very simply a, a rewrite of, of um, in a different universe. Uh, that's that's just kind of my feelings, uh, you know, but you know, Colin, he's usually, he's, he's pretty sharp. I, I'd say he's pretty right on.
6: Right, right. Miles, how about your perspective on what Colin's saying here?
2: Um, the Enterprise in the water didn't bother me. I think it. They had to have some close proximity to the volcano. Um, I mean, if they were in orbit, I don't think they could have transported Spock out of the volcano. So, um, so there was. I think there was some logistical reasons for being in the water, just just not just because it looked cool when it came out of it. Um, A ripoff of the Khan... I don't know if it's a ripoff, off but def- it definitely borrowed from Wrath of Oh, definitely. There's it no de- doubt about yeah. that. Yeah.
7: didn't bother
6: me, though.
2: So, you either just go with it or you can't go with it. Yeah. I don't know.
3: Uh,
7: mm-hmm. How about for you, Dave? It's the next, next generation. I keep saying that. I yeah. think we've talked about most yeah. of the stuff. Yeah. The water thing was cool, and basically, I don't really care why. It just was cool. You know, one of the transitions <laughs> we didn't talk about that I really liked
6: in that entire water scene, was when the natives actually draw the Enterprise, and then it transitions into the real Enterprise yeah. flying. That was a That's great, tra- beautiful. beautiful, beautiful transition. There. Beautiful, yeah.
2: Well, what, that. what I liked about that scene was you see the consequences of Kirk thumbing his nose at the Prime Directive. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the, the, the Prime Directive has always been a plot device in Star Trek to tie, tie somebody's hands or something like that. But it kind of showed that. Yeah, there's a reason why we have this thing, right. right. so yeah. I, I like that there was there was actually con- you know when, when, when Kirk says, "Who cares that the only, the you know the native saw us?" Well, you know,
6: and this is the result. This is the result.
5: Yeah.
2: And what did
6: you think about what Colin had said?
0: It's. Oh my gosh, I just went blank. That's a first.
6: Yeah, <laughs> it <laughs> is, it's true.
0: I agreed with a lot with with what he said, but I, I I'm I'm with. David, you know it's the next next generation. I've, I've put aside the old coat. I've put on the new one. I'm ready to experience a different version. So I'm I'm am I'm okay with a lot of it. This, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I'll still see it. I'll buy. Oh, please, I'll buy the box set and then the other box set. Then the triple double secret a box set. They're you know gonna what? make ching off of me. <laughs> be-
7: <laughs> I think we're missing like the big question that comes out of his question or his his call-in is, is M. how did you think of his velvety smooth English accent? Right, right.
0: Oh, <laughs> I'm going to save that for Sci-Fi Diner After Dark.
7: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
6: very good. Well, thanks Colin for calling in. We have one other voicemail. This is from uh, Robert from Ohio called in and I believe this is the first time he's calling in. And so thank you Robert for calling in. Let's hear what he had to say about Star Trek Into Darkness.
8: Hi, guys, this is for the Sci-Fi Diner. I'm uh, Robert from Ohio. Um, you wanted me to call in for other people as well to call in after they've seen um, Star Trek Into Darkness. And um, my review here, and i give you a spoiler warning. If, Miles, you guys didn't uh, get to see the movie yet, uh, I'm going to give you a spoiler warning. So, I'll take a few seconds to pause before I go on with my review. Basically, um, the, it's the alternate timeline version of Raphacon, pretty much, um, following um, the script in certain areas. And um, what was said, um, when, before the movie was filmed, during the time it was film and even afterwards about the identity of Cumberbatch, which um, pretty much turns out that he is Khan. So um, that is partly true. And the, um, the way that they um, um, have him operate in the movie, was pretty good. I enjoyed him as the villain of the piece. Uh, We also have Peter Weller, um, who um, did a pretty fair job in the movie as well. And also, um, we had a surprise actor who used to be in Doctor Who. Um, The gentleman that played Nikki, um, Rose's boyfriend, is in the um, first part of the movie as well. But the way that the movie ends, um, since this is an alternate timeline, that um, things could be reversed and um, it's tightened up or tidied up, so to say, to where there won't be a search for Spock. So um, that's one good thing. Maybe um, the um, covering of um, the Rafacon. Khan... Uh, you know alternate timeline version will be it hopefully it'll go into something more fresher the first movie was a lot better than the second movie was even though the second movie was pretty good uh, minus the lens flares from the first one which made it more enjoyable and watchable but um uh, very much enjoyed um it i um um, went to Old Navy and bought me a um, tracky t shirt, um, 2X, that I wore while watching the movie. So I very much did enjoy it. Um, this is Robert from Ohio, and have a great day. Bye, guys.
6: All right. Go ahead. What are you going to say, Dave? Hey, thanks, Robert, for calling.
8: Newcomers yeah. are
7: awesome, right?
6: They are. They are awesome. So it's great. It was great to call in and hear his review. And uh, yeah. you know, Len Flair not buying. He he again said, you know, loved the first movie better, and he's looking for something fresher. So he kind of feels like this movie. As we've been
7: saying, and we've been hearing other people say that there was a staleness to this movie in some ways. Yeah. I, you know, I I I have to say I'm a little surprised of all the naysaying, but. Hey, you know,
6: hey, I, I enjoyed the ride, yeah. and I mean, and people don't go see this movie three times without loving it at some level, right? Right, <laughs> right, so I'm not, not gonna point fingers here. Are you
3: referencing here. someone? No, Jim,
6: no, Jim, totally, Jim. Yeah, I was, I, was gonna say, first, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of you, Em, at all. <laughs> what
0: are you saying? <laughs> you
7: know, yeah,
6: I,
1: I'm, I, I'm gonna go see it again, and I pre ordered the DVD.
7: That's uh, Good. I,
6: so when we when, when we talk about some of the negative things, it's not that we are loving this movie. It's just right. there's some things that if we had a chance to sit down and chat with JJ before he put out this movie, we'd have done differently. Right.
1: Hey. Yeah, I'm I'm being really, really nitpicky. Right. Yeah, yeah.
2: basically. But we're we're about. Star Trek fans, that's what we do.
6: That is what we yeah. do. And <laughs> and you know and, and he had it, you know, and he had it he had it right that this is a this is a good movie and he enjoyed it and something that he And the lens flare wasn't as bad. Uh, Anything you guys want to... Go ahead. If I had only seen this
1: movie once, I probably wouldn't have come up with anything really that bothered me. Because I'll tell you what, when I walked out of the theater the first night, I was numb. I mean, it was just... I was just agog. I could not believe what I had seen. And, you know, it was with, with the second and third viewing that that started me thinking about the other things that, that I've uh, talked about.
6: We have one other uh, email that uh, came in and this comes from Chris Wilson and let me go ahead and just read this real quickly. My name is Chris Wilson. I'm using Siri on my iPhone to construct this email as my spelling is so appalling. So I apologize for any mistakes in spelling and grammar. I live in Britain and Wales. I'm a long time listener to Sci-Fi Diner and it's definitely one of the best podcasts out there. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm a painter and a decorator by trade, and work on my own. So I get so the only company I have some days is your podcast. Lord help them! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, we're glad to accomplish you in your in your work there. But um, over the f- years, I feel like I've gotten to know you guys. Feel like you become friends in some strange way. I went to see the new Star Trek movies last weekend, and it's absolutely fantastic. You guys. Uh, are in for a real treat because they got it like a week or two ahead of us. I was jealous. Yeah, very much so. Um, Colin's voicemail came in like before like it was out in the U.S. here. so I saw it in 3D but I must say the story was so engaging I didn't notice it too much throughout the movie. Maybe that's because they finally perfected it so it's not in your face or the story was so engaging that it completely fell into the world. In fact, I would go as far as to say that it was better than the first one, much better. Well, that's all for now, guys. It takes a lot for me to put this Email together, as I'm dyslexic, but you guys invite comment the way you put the show together. Great job! Keep up the best work, Chris Wilson. Well, he had a very favored review for of Darkness. Yeah, he, you know, mm-hmm. considering what we some, some what we heard here tonight, he was he said it was better than the first one for him. And uh, I don't know if I go quite that far for me, but it was definitely a good movie, and that seems to be where he's at.
7: Uh, any thoughts about what Chris said? Anyone? I'm on. The, I'm on the fence about putting it above 2009. I know when mm. we walked out, I was also numb to it. Like like Jim said, and I remember we, you and I were standing with a group of people, and and everyone was like, "Let's talk about this," and no one really had anything mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, we're I was like, like "Whoa, amazing!" Uh, at that moment, I was like, "Oh, better than 2009." But even during our conversation tonight, I'm like, "I don't know if I really would put it up there. I need to see it again." So, yeah. Uh, how about
6: Jim, M? any uh, any thoughts? What Chris is saying? I'm glad he enjoyed it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> the, I am too.
6: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I believe that is about it. Do we have anything else we want to say about Star Trek in the darkness or how we di- dissected this movie enough?
0: <laughs> it was much better than Cats. I'm going to see it again and again. Yeah, yeah, that's a very, very very old yeah. reference and I can't stop saying it so I apologize profusely to everyone
6: <laughs> no. no no I got it and it was much better than Cats <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> I did not enjoy Cats I watched <laughs> it one time and that was enough <laughs> definitely enough <laughs> yeah. uh, any uh, last thoughts from you Jim
1: yeah I saw Cats too no no no, no, no.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah.
1: um I, I've about I've about shot it all. I think
6: I've said everything I need to say. Very good. Very good. Miles, any last thoughts from you? Um I'm reading the tie-in
2: novel and so hopefully I'll get what I missed, you know, what reading that. I'm gonna see the movie again. I'll just wait like I said, I'll wait till it comes the second round theaters.
6: Sometimes I find that reading the tie in novels fleshes out the movie in a way they were unable to do in the movie. So I'll be interested oh, to see. Like when I read when I read Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. I Loved the movie much better. The movie, when I first saw it, was great. When I saw it after having read the novelization, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So,
7: hmm. you know, whatever, go ahead. I can't say I have much much more to add. Yeah, uh, very good. Other than that if you haven't seen this movie, go see it because it's yeah, awesome. It is. It is. It's mm-hmm. well
6: worth seeing. We talked about some of the negative things here as we've been wrapping up, but it is well worth seeing. Yeah, definitely worth seeing in theaters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would say that. Well, oh, let's give yeah. P- yeah, definitely let's give people a chance to plug their shows before you uh, wrap on wrap up the podcast and get out of here. And David, tell us a little bit about where you're from. Uh, plug your show.
7: Okay, so um, I'm here, right here, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which is is where uh, the Sci-Fi Diner podcast comes out of. And I have been hosting a podcast called The Lancast for over four years now, and what we do is we take a different guest each week, and they're usually someone who's making a difference in their community, either here in Lancaster or abroad, and what we do is we talk to them about what they're doing and kind of ask them what I like to refer to as second conversation questions, so... Not the first thing you would hear in a, a normal interview. You kind of go a little bit deeper and and get in a little bit more about who they really are and not just what they're doing. Right. So uh, and that can be found at thelinecast.com. dot com, and also I have a uh, nerd podcast called Official Nerdo, and that's available on YouTube at youtube.com dot com slash and that's not. Um, Totally regular. It just kind of comes out when it comes out. But very good. Well, go. thank you, um, Em, How about you?
6: Uh, where can people find all about you and support discrete bicycling calls you have?
0: Um, Well, you can learn more about me at mjustm.com. It's kind of my blog, and it's got a lot of the audio work that I do, Um, along with chit-chatting with you guys. I do a lot of voice acting work on shows like HG World, um, and there's a group called Pendant Audio. I do a lot of work for them and Darker Projects. It's it's very old-timey radio, but fleshed out. So there's a Doctor Who show, there's a couple of, um, there's a great show that I'm on called The Kingery, which is about a, it's like Vegas in space, which is awesome. Um, And just kind of randomly everywhere, and you can hear me, I'm grateful that you guys can hear me here too, but you can find out more about me at mjustm.com, and you can find out about the Leukemia Lymphoma Society and team and training and raising money to find the cures for all blood cancers.
6: Awesome. Awesome, thank you. And Jim, how about you? Where can people find you?
1: Well, uh, I occasionally appear on the Sci-Fi Diner, which is really kind of neat. And I write a blog. It's jimscifiblog.com. We'll get you there. I review books, television shows, movies. Whatever strikes strikes me as important.
6: And you have a lot of time to be doing it now that you're off for the summer.
1: Yeah, I've done uh, what? three posts this past week. So
6: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely some time. Well, thank you everyone for joining us and we'll have to forgive us for the long podcast. this is. we appreciate we all the,
0: the whole movie and recorded it.
6: I know. I know. This is like a, uh, this is like a, what do they call the, uh, like, like a, riff tr- tracks. yeah, like a tracks of it. But, um, well, we appreciate everyone who has stuck around to listen to us this long at the sci-fi diner. And I believe we got to get out of here. All right, till next time, good night and good luck. We will see you all. Thank you all for joining us.